on a show that talks about time traveling Bigfoot and alien sex cults. This is serious journalism, people. Serious. <laughs> this time, this, this like, time we mean it. If you think that there are not birds that are not <laughs> real, you're a moron. I do have a superstition that Satan and his minions yes. interrupt mm. technological yes. connections when conversations are getting yes. particularly interesting or, or important. At this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're telling the truth. Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the <laughs> motives aren't really clear? Where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words. Why, Abby, why? I, I feel like you're just not answering the question. There is a pattern here that is definitive, and mm-hmm. this leads us to the CEO's response, yes. which is not the way that you Amazing. want to play being accused of in a conspiracy theory. Glowing metal things that are moving in impossible speeds and impossible directions, defying laws of physics, showing up over battlefields, showing up over important historical events for all of history. This is Chekhov's gun, you guys. It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece since Act 1. It's Act 3 now. I'm waiting for it to go off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conspiracy Pilled Season 3, Episode 13, The Clinton Body Count. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me tonight is not Abby Libby, actually. Uh, With me tonight is someone that I've heard a lot about. I've listened to her podcast, Quirks of Creation, uh, and I'm excited to meet for the first time, Elise Malone. How are you doing? (laughs) Good. How are you? I'm I'm so glad that we get to do this finally together. Yeah, we get get to do this, and then on Sunday, we'll do family Thanksgiving together. That's right. I guess I'll meet you there too. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet in person for sure. Yeah, so, there we go. <laughs> uh, how's your How's your day going? It's good. It's good. I fell down this rabbit hole with you right. today, <laughs> and I like I, I called PJ. We talked a few times today, and then we got on today, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" He's like, "I know, I know." It's this is wild stuff. This is absolutely wild stuff. And again, I feel like I'm doing the same thing to you guys this week as I did last week. So maybe apologies. But again, it's like I said, you guys, if, if it's a long show, if it's too much information, you pause it halfway through, you come back, you watch the second half. It's a DIY two-parter That's because right. uh, I'm really bad at planning ahead for two-parters, except for Tartaria, which we cut into three parts, which I think was originally planned for four, and I just couldn't handle talking about it. Couldn't more do than anymore. more than three parts. Yeah, that was uh, that was too much Tartaria, guys. I'm still <laughs> recovering from it. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about the Clinton kill list tonight, and yeah. there are a lot of names. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna. We're definitely not gonna hit all of them. No. Uh, we're gonna hit a lot of them, though. We're gonna hit a lot of them. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna have some backstory, and I'm just gonna say this too. There are at least three major parts of this story that deserve their own one or two part episodes by themselves. So I will try to sum them up. I will let you uh, know when we get to those parts uh, to just like put a pin in it and know that we're going to cover it in greater depth uh, down the road. Barry seal comes to mind instantly where it's like Barry seal. I ran Contra the Mina airport scandal. That is going to be a long episode of its own probably not far from now because i've just i've dug so much into it in the last few days i'm like i think that that'll probably be soon yeah um but a quick shout out to our supporters people who come over to uh support the show get bonus unhinged content over on locals we've got lorna dune 11 
and Chrissy K, who are new monthly supporters. And we have Frida and Kyle and Sam Squanch, 3434, <laughs> our new yearly supporters on Locals. I hope that's a reference to Trailer Park Boys. And then on Rockfin, we have Zach. So appreciate you, Zach. Appreciate you, everybody who supported the show. Again, you can go to conspiracypill.locals.com. It's kind of like Patreon, except, you know, they're not going to kick us off tomorrow for some obscure except reason better. as they do. Yeah, except, except way better. better. Huh. Uh, and we can live stream there now. So we do a, a live stream our unhinged shows there as well. So you don't just have to wait till the next day to catch those. Or you can come over to rockfin.com slash conspiracy pill, which is like a Netflix subscription for conspiracy stuff. So you get a whole bunch of people besides us. It's a little bit more monthly than locals. But again, you get tons and tons of people. So the value is there. Um, and yeah, I think that about covers it. Are we ready to just jump right into a list of tons and tons and tons of people? I think so. I think so. I think it's only fair before we jump into everything to like forewarn everybody. So listen up. If you're listening to this, just before you before we dive in, first make sure, just to protect yourself, make sure you're not part of the DNC. Make sure you have no money tied to the Clintons in any possible way, shape, or form. Even accidentally. I don't know if we're gonna end that story. But there's the one guy who, like, his bank account was being used by the Clintons, unknowing to him. I didn't even know that I don't that even think one. we're going to get into that one. There's just so many. But, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then, yeah, don't have any sexual relations with either one of them, even even against your will. Just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't have anything to do with drugs or the drug cartel. Um, and I think you should be safe. And don't run against Hillary Clinton for a senatorial seat. Oh, Let's Lord. <laughs> yeah. Don't even touch them in politics. Like, just, stay, just Or accept stay airplane uh, tickets from, from the Clintons. Oh, that's another thing. Like, or be a bodyguard. Maybe stay off a plane for a while. Yeah. So. And don't be a bodyguard or an escort or anything along those lines. And you should be fine. <clears throat> yeah. Should be absolutely. Fine. So. Yeah. All right. So the Clinton crime family. Let's talk about them. I, li- listen, here's the thing. I was going to skip over this part. And I realize there's probably Gen Zers who did not grow up in the 90s like we did. And also, we grew up in a family that talked politics openly. So, like, I feel like by the time I was eight years old, I knew more about Bill Clinton than most (laughs) adults do today. So we'll go through a little bit of backstory. So William Jefferson Clinton was born August 19th, 1946. He was born and raised in Arkansas or Arkansas or Arkansas. Arkansas, if you prefer. Uh, He graduated from Georgetown University and later from Yale Law School. And Hillary Diane Rodham was born October 26, 1947, raised in Park Ridge, Illinois, and graduated from Wesley College in 1969 from Yale Law School in 1973. And that is where Yale is where Bill and Hillary met. And, oh, uh, you love know, story. Yeah. <laughs> love story. <laughs> sure it is. Sure it is. Sure, it's something. Sure. It's a horror story. It's a story. <laughs> it, it is a story. And we're going to be telling this story. Uh, so they were married in 1975. And in 1976, Bill became the Arkansas Attorney General. And by 1978, he was elected governor of Arkansas. And he was only 31 years old, making him the youngest gubernatorial candidate uh, in the state's history. So I don't know how many, like how often you hear of a, a governor, not a mayor, but a governor who's only right. 31. That's right? true. And uh, this is something I didn't know till this research that he lost reelection in 1980 oh. and then won again in 1982. So oh. he was governor from 78 to 92 minus two years. Gotcha. <laughs> Just at the beginning, it was like there was some policy he had that was unpopular. He lost for two years, came back. So 
Um, and he, yeah, again, he served until 1992 until he was elected president of the United States of America from 92 to 2000. Well, 2001, 93 to 2001. You know what I mean? Elections yeah. happen one year and then they actually take whatever. And then they, yeah. you guys know what I mean? So that's a little bit of like, and the reason that's important is because people I think who don't know about this are assuming that everything we're talking about has to do with Bill Clinton in the office and Hillary Clinton running for president. And they don't realize that there is a long history of criminality from Clinton going back to the seventies started in the and very the 80s, beginning, dude, the eighties were like really like the stuff he did in Arkansas was, is almost yeah. actually probably definitely worse than the stuff he did as president as far as like the, the illegal so. activity. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. most of, most of the crimes he committed as president were covering up for the terrible Arkansas. things he did as a governor in Arkansas. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So this body count, right? The, the list started uh, with the Clinton Chronicles, which is uh, it's called the Clinton Chronicles, an investigation into the alleged criminal activities of Bill Clinton, which is a 1994 documentary that accused Bill Clinton of a range of crimes, including and here's a here's a little bit of a list. And we'll get into pretty much all of these. Yeah. Uh, being a well, except being a drug. I don't think we're going to talk about that much, but he was a drug addict, right? Like we know he did cocaine. Yeah. Uh, it, it's OK, coke. though. It's OK, though, because he only smoked marijuana once and he didn't inhale. Oh, well, then it's fine. So it's all good. He didn't have sex with Monica and he didn't inhale the marijuana. So (laughs) it's not as cool as Kamala Harris, who was smoking dope and listening to Tupac before he released an album. That's (laughs) that's cool. Now that's cool. (laughs) Uh, So being a drug addict, having affairs with or harassing numerous women, uh, Troopergate. We were going to talk about that using Arkansas State Police officers to facilitate sexual liaisons and intimidate accusers. The misuse of funds with the Arkansas Development Finance Authority using bank or credit uh, using bank of credit and commerce international to launder money profiting from drug smuggling at the Mena airport protecting Barry seals drug smuggling activities Definitely. Um, murdering witnesses to the Mena drug smuggling operation covering up the circumstances surrounding the deaths of two boys found dead on the railroad tracks near the airport protecting a state medical examiner who was repeatedly accused of misstating the cause of death in several autopsies, whitewater controversy, covering up for the cause of the death of Vince Foster and using contacts at Rose law firm to shed documents that would have implicated Clinton in scandals. So basically what I'm saying is (laughs) even though I think this documentary has its flaws, a lot of what was said in 1994 is what we're going to be talking about still today. There's more evidence that's come out for it. Some of this stuff, hundred percent was proven true. Right. Uh, so, which is crazy because we need to talk about Larry Nichols, right? He's the guy who partially funded this. He's, he's the name that gets put on this. He's not the biggest person behind it, but he's on, he's in the documentary. He partially funded it. And because he's kind of a loon and kind of a psycho, uh, <laughs> this is how, this is how discrediting works, right? As you find right. one person involved with a thing and People shoot themselves in the foot too by lying, which is what we're going to talk about here. But oh, sure. Nichols Nichols made the claims that he uh, Nichols made the claim that he worked as a hitman for the Clintons on the Pete uh, Sant Santil, Santilli show in September of 2013. This is a quote from that show. He said, hmm. "The Clintons sent me overseas to kill people for them and told me it was for good. It was for the good of the country. So when they asked me to do it for them in the states." It felt no different. The real truth is I did it for the money and I didn't give a shit about the women I beat or the men I murdered. 
So stand up guy. Stand up guy. This is the guy you should definitely trust. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he just wins you right there. <laughs> just wins you over. A lot of people seem to want to defend this guy for some reason. Really? Uh, it's, look, I hate the Clintons, but like if yeah. this guy's telling the truth, he's yeah. a murderer and a terrible right. human being. Right. And if he's lying, then he's also a piece of crap. So but less so, I would say I prefer right. the I, lies to the murderer and, and stuff. I wish he was making this. Up. I would hope he's making this. up, But yeah. <clears throat> mm. Either way, this dude's... He did work cool. for the Clintons. That's the thing. He did work for the Clintons yeah. in the 1980s. And he was, according to articles that came out after his claims, they said that he was fired in 1988 for making unauthorized long-distance phone calls to Central America, allegedly to support the Contras in Nicaragua. Uh, There's so much to that statement. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Bill Clinton's links to the Contras in a minute. Okay. But it's funny to me that they would accuse a former Clinton employee of supporting the Contras <laughs> because it's one of two things. Either they're saying like he did it, but we didn't want him to. And that covers our tracks, right? which is right. what I think they're trying to do. Yeah. Or they're blaming a bunch of phone calls to the Contras on this guy because people already hate him, which is probably the most likely thing. Very convenient either way. <clears throat> right. But like my point is, even if he is doing this, or we right, supposed yes. to believe he was not doing this at the behest of Bill Clinton. Exactly. And then maybe it's just like, hey, don't make those phone calls from a work phone. Use right. a pay phone. <laughs> I don't know, man. But he, he filed a lawsuit against the Clintons for inappropriate dismissal. And mm. he claimed that the governor was using state funds to conduct affairs with five different women. And this was completely Only ignored. Five? <laughs> that he had evidence of. Oh, right. This is completely ignored at the time. And this is one of the things we will talk about that turned out to be absolutely true. Um, so oh my gosh, listen, I listened to the Pete Santilli show. I've listened to a lot of stuff from, yeah. from this guy. I think he's mostly full of shit. Yeah. I'm just going to set it up front. I don't think he was a hitman for the Clintons. I think he is lying most of the time, but it's very clear that he obviously has dirt on the Clintons. He knows things yeah. and he's upset with them. So I, I, so it I might think, not he, I think be he's, as, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it might not be as gratuitous as he's saying, but the fact of the matter is there's still something there or it might be. And he's just claiming it all on himself. You know what I mean? Like he's well, making yes. himself part of the story. He's yes. the firsthand account. eyewitness cause he can sell books and be in, on radio shows, right? Like th right. I, that's what I think he's doing. I think he's a guy who had dirt on the Clintons, yeah. got burned by the Clintons and has set out a vendetta and then realized he could make money at it. And his claims got more and more and more salacious as yep. time goes on. And we've seen this. We talked about this last week. We've talked about this plenty of times before people yep. will lie to support the thing that they know is true. And yep. it's, I, I'm not saying it's good. I'm actually very much against this thing. Right. I'm just saying we've seen it time and time again where people will be like, I know something's true. I can't prove it. So I'll just say I was the guy that did it and I can, you know, I have all, all this evidence. Right. And I, I yeah. think that's who this guy is to yeah. be honest. That makes sense. So <clears throat> that's my best analysis. But again, you can't ignore the fact that he was telling things before they were true in 1988 and in 1994. So he definitely knew things is my point. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So uh, also in 1994, the Clinton body count coincidence or kiss of death article list was compiled by a lawyer and activist named Linda Thompson. And she helped compile this list of 24 people with whom who had connections with the Clintons and who had died under other than natural circumstances. Quote. Hmm. Then a, a, a woman named Tammy Jackson added to the list, making it 47. And this is the most famous of lists. This is the list that we're going to be going off of tonight. There might be, I think there might be a few people that weren't on this list that we'll talk about, but mostly yeah. I want to go from the 
most famous list, the one that everybody's talking about, the one that Snopes spent all their time debunking and, and, and all of this stuff, right? Right. And, and that's where I want to talk about this next is this is all reportedly debunked, guys. This whole thing's debunked. Uh, Snopes, a man and his wife in a basement one time said it was <laughs> not true, uh, who are de- who have definitely been proven to get money from the Clintons and the DNC and things like that. So right. we know it's yeah. Bill Clinton funds Snopes and this stuff. So like we know that this is reputable. Legit. Source. Totally. But according, legit. And the Wikipedia, which we know is run by the CIA. Yeah. Reputable source. So let's let's read from those two really quickly. Wiki says right at the top when you search the Clinton crime family which or Clinton body count, I think is what the wiki is. Yeah, which is weird because like that meant something different <laughs> 10 years ago. Right. And now I'm like, it's kind of a double entendre because you could talk about the people they killed or the hundreds of women that Bill Clinton slept with. Right. <laughs> He's got a big body count either way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes there's crossover. The women that he slept with and the people he killed are the same people are the same. Yeah. Uh, if we were um, Kamala, we could make a whole, you know, a Venn diagram. Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> I love Venn diagrams. I love that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so at the top of the wiki page, it says the Clinton body count is a disproven conspiracy theory mm. that asserts former U.S. President Bill Clinton and his wife, former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, have secretly had their political opponents murdered, totaling in as many as fifty or more listed victims. So hey, it's disproven. Wiki says, how so. dare you? Snopes rates this as false. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sh- and they, this is what they say. We shouldn't have to tell anyone not to believe this claptrap. We will anyway. I just love how they talk to us like we're real human beings. who are inquiring about something because we're curious, right? Absolutely. Uh, in a frenzied media climate where the chief executive couldn't boff a White House intern without the whole world finding out every niggling detail of each encounter and demanding his removal from office. This is ignoring so much history, by the way. This is so such much. bullshit right off the bat. Yeah. Um, we are seriously to believe that the same man had been having double handfuls of detractors and former friends murdered with impunity. Did you read any of the debunked sites? There's political. I mean, when you even duck, duck, look, I had to use duck, duck, go for a lot of this tonight, but even duck, duck, go certain things. Yeah. You will have to go through two to three pages of politifact and Snopes and all the debunks. Did you read any of them? I didn't read any of them, but even the articles I did find for what I was looking at, you know, this, it wasn't debunking, but it was like, this isn't, this is what conspiracy theorists say. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like there's you know, tons of those sites. It was a Hill ton of every, like yeah. uh, disclaimers, if you will, throughout the even, whole article. Even when, even when they can't deny yep. that the conspiracy theorists are hundred percent telling the yep. factual ca- truth and case facts of, of yep. it all, you'll get three or four paragraphs. Yes. Yeah. This is what con- I mean, the conspiracy theorists, they think that Bill Clinton killed a guy right. and then we found out that he kind of did kill a guy. But, you yeah. know, like but you guys, conspir- are wrong. you guys, come on, come on, idiots. It's so stupid, right? And and all of it comes down to them either purposefully not understanding the conspiracy theory or right. Right. or history, because what they'll say is, well, the official report from the police that Bill Clinton was paying for in Arkansas, <laughs> the troopers that he was paying for that snitched on him later for Troopergate. Yeah. They said, and the, and the coroner that he was paying extra money to said, and it's like, yes, no, that's our point is that they're lying. The whole conspiracy is hinged on the fact that they're lying. (laughs) They are liars. That's the Clinton news network says, oh my gosh, really? (laughs) I know. True. True story. I find it hilarious. So (laughs) 
kind of but uh, let's get into the, let's get into the list unless yeah. you got something go ahead well go just ahead. Or, if they or if, if they even mentioned it at all like there were so many where they left out so many details they wouldn't even talk about Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, they're lying by omission. Can, and we'll talk. The, I, I tried to include a lot of examples throughout this because yeah. what I did, I'll just give you guys a, a little <laughs> peek into how I did this research. So I found the list online. I found another article, the one written by Tammy Jackson that explained the list and linked articles. Yeah. So that was like the one of the better, like overarching. And I actually included that link in the notes for the show. If you guys want to check it out. What's odd to me is no, this is really weird. It's a four part list. And I scoured the internet for part four. Me too. Did, you did too. Me too. It's nowhere. It I is find not it. on the internet. I so whatever's in part webpage. four. Yeah. Whatever's in part four. And if somebody can find it, please send it to me. But yeah. uh, the list, the, you can see the list. It's linked below. You can find this list on tons of sites written by Tammy Jackson. Yep. And she sent it to a ton of sites. No one has part four. I could not find it. Is she still alive? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even look into her. I Actually, no, I did. I did. And I couldn't find her. As a human being on the internet anywhere, couldn't find her. Wow. Maybe I, I didn't look that hard. So if maybe you guys, she is you, no you know, more. but maybe she's not right. But so uh, <laughs> my, yeah. my, my research method was here's the list. Here's Tammy Jackson's explanation of each person. And here's Snopes list that goes through all 47 people unless you count. Right. And it's more like right. 30 because they yeah. leave people off the list that they yeah. don't want to talk about. People who didn't make it on the <sighs> list. Yeah. So I, I, I actually referenced each one and then individually looked into them. There's a couple of them. And I'll be very upfront about like who I think is what I think is wrong. What I think the conspiracy theorists got wrong, what I think they got right and what I didn't have a ton of time to like super deep dive into just because this is a very long episode. So. Yeah. Or very long list. I should say 47 people is a, a lot to go through. In, it's a lot in one to episode. look into and a lot to look into when you can't yeah. find stuff. Do, either. Do, well, let's talk about that really quick because yeah. here's here's the <clears> thing <throat> is I, I was telling you guys I used uh, duck duck go a lot and even that was difficult, but I mean, it's no secret that Google literally buries the Clinton body count. You can find out that Google, here's an article from yep. the Daily Mail, and they're not the only ones talking about it. And it's not even a secret that, that this is what they're doing. But Google's been accused of changing its algorithm to bury the negative stories about Hillary Clinton, including the notorious Clinton body count. Uh, and, and it's obvious. I don't have to show you this article for you to know this is true. We all yeah. know it's true, but yeah. that's definitely happening. So researching this was hard. Some people who were very public figures um, who had very public deaths yeah. were are not on the internet, and I mean yeah. they they do not exist anymore. Nope. And what's funny is some of those people, Snopes was like, "Yeah, all those facts are true, I guess, but it doesn't mean Bill Clinton did it." Right. But there's like where are they where's Snopes finding the articles because I can't find these people. Uh, no kidding. No kidding. And okay. And I said this, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I was saying this to you a while ago. If you just back out of all of this. <clears throat> Yeah. If you just back up and you don't look at all the details of everything. This is still a very long list of people that were associated with the Clintons in one way or another who they died. all have an excuse for it. They all have an excuse. For it. Oh, well, the course. Clintons were in public life for a long oh, time. Yeah. They knew and, a lot of people and, and, and they knew a lot of people yeah. and, and tons of people shoot themselves in the back of the head every single day. And they always are, you know, like being investigated for crimes related to the Clintons at the time. Exactly. And they, a lot of people get into car accidents and plane crashes. And that is literally what Snopes says. There's like tons surprised. of plane crashes every year. I'm like, no, there's not. No, there, no, there are not. <laughs> stop. Just stop it. <laughs> plane ah. crashes are actually rare. Yeah. We all know this to be true. 
Oh my god. Uh, anyway. Yeah, anyway. Sorry. So let's let's get into one of those names yes. that is just hard to find. And I, I will say this up front. I don't know if any of this is true. This is rumor mill stuff a little bit. But this goes back to Clinton's early days. And I the the thing that points me to thinking it's true is just how censored it is. Yeah. And that is a woman named Susan Coleman, who allegedly had an affair with Clinton uh, when he was the attorney general of Arkansas and was reportedly seven months pregnant with his child. And the death was determined to be a suicide with a gunshot wound to the back of the head. So we're just starting off right away with like the his MO, right? Yeah. What yeah. what uh, that came from one of the sites. What I found is that she he was I don't know if he actually was attorney general at the, maybe the time she was murdered, but other sites were saying and even fact checking sites were saying he was her college professor or something like that. He, he had some oh. not college professor. He had some authority o- over her, right? At oh. the time like he was Okay. Yeah. My point is he was her boss or something in some way. In some way, right? Yeah. And so it might have been the attorney general, as it says. Some places said, prof- I didn't think he was ever a professor, but I didn't look that deep into it. Yeah. My point is she worked underneath him and <laughs> she was young. Co- yeah, she, literally college, college woman. Uh, there was plenty of rumors that she got pregnant and then she died. And then the Internet pretends like she doesn't exist. She doesn't exist. Uh, there's another one named Judy Gibbs. We have a little bit more evidence on this. She was a penthouse model and a call girl. Uh, Gibbs worked at a bordello near Mena, Arkansas. And Gibbs family says that Bill Clinton was a regular customer of hers. She's hmm. called her. She was a whore. So yeah. she was a regular customer of yeah. hers. And in a sworn statement, Clinton bodyguard Barry Spivey said that he had been uh, with the governor in a plane when it flew over Judy Gibbs house. Clinton pointed at it and told him who it belonged to because he's banging this ben, chick. Been there a few times. Mm-hmm. The house would later be burned down with her inside and she would die next to an unlocked door. Wow. Wow. So, and that's true. That one is true. So again, I don't know a ton about Susan Coleman, the Judy Gibbs thing. We have B- Barry Spivey's testimony. We have, we can find out like how she died and that where she died in the house and stuff like that. That one really happened. Yeah. Um, and this is going back to early days, like early women he slept with that knew stuff, right? Right. Uh, oh. cause, cause some of the lists will be like, Oh, why didn't he ever kill the, the women who could have snitched on him? Like he did some yeah. of them, some of them. And we'll yeah. talk about that more in the bimbo eruption scandal in a minute, but I want to start with the, I'm trying to go like kind of chronologically with this, but I realize that you can't do that because what I really need to do is talk about like what scandals yes. that they were killed for and what they were involved in. Cause I think that makes it a little bit more understandable. Because yeah. again, this is going to be a fire hose of information, like lots of stuff here. So we're going to start with an early Arkansas days Clinton scandal, which is the Mena Airport scandal. And yeah, this one's so, a big one. It is a big one. So we're going to what what really kicks us off for most people is Don Henry and Kevin Ives. This is known as the Boys on the Track case. So you'll find this in true crime stuff and conspiracy stuff, and it's stupidly well documented, yeah. um, like really, really well documented. And uh, according to the Wall Street Journal in 1996, they said the bare facts of the case are these at 425 a.m. on August 23rd, 1987, a northbound Union Pacific train ran over two teenagers, Kevin Ives and Don Henry, and they lay side by side motionless on the tracks. Arkansas State Medical Examiner Femi Malik quickly ruled the deaths as accidental, saying the boys were unconscious and in a deep sleep due to smoking marijuana. He yes. goes on to, he literally says in his autopsy report, they smoked 20 marijuanas. 20, 20 marijuanas. <laughs> I wish I was making that part up. Put in a deep <laughs> sleep. <laughs> they were smoking 20 marijuanas, guys. Oh my uh, God. Between the two of them on a walk while they were out, sh- shot, you know, spotlighting deer. Yeah. 
Right. Because they have that kind of money and time and fortitude. Like, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, 20 yeah. marijuanas. 20 I'm, mar- I'm not a marijuana smoker, but 20 mar- nobody smokes 20 marijuana cigarettes, as it said in the in the report right. or joints, whatever you want to call it. Nobody yeah. does that. Nobody. No. <laughs> Ultimately, going back to the Wall Street Journal, says ultimately the bodies were exhumed and another autopsy was performed by an outside pathologist. They found that Don Henry had been stabbed in the back and that Kevin had been beaten with a rifle butt. In September of 1988, the grand jury issued a report stating, quote, our conclusions are that the case is definitely a homicide. Should have been pretty obvious when they were wrapped in a tarp on the track, run over by a train. So that they didn't just... Yeah. What, I mean, go ahead. I mean, your initial instinct when you smoke <laughs> Mary Jane is not to just wrap yourself in a tarp and lay down in a dangerous spot. Like that's not. <laughs> that's not something that's what everybody do. does. I was told that's, that's what, what everybody I, does. I thought that was totally normal. And like the rumbling and the train horns and all. It's not None enough to wake w- you up. It's no. 20 marijuanas, guys. Yeah. Do- <laughs> they were snorting 20 marijuanas. That I don't night. know why anybody has any problem sleeping if they're smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Not much. Oh if my they goodness. had smoked 20 joints, I might have slept, slept pretty good, though. I'm just oh, saying. But and you'll never find this, I'm sure. <clears throat> yeah. But in the autopsy, did did the toxology report mention anything about marijuana? Yeah. Well, so the the pathologist that dug up the bodies and looked through Fami Malik's work yeah. said they maybe shared one joint between them. Ah, gotcha. So there was, but if, some, I guess if it's like there was some THC found, but you yeah. break them into little ones that could be 20. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to help them anyway. Continue. Anyway. So long story short, they're out shining deer near the Mina airport. <clears throat> And a 1986 FBI memo shows that Barry Seal used this airport for a drug smuggling operation. And they were bringing drugs from Pablo Escobar into the United States in conjunction with the CIA uh, to fund Contras and other black budget CIA projects. This is an this is what I was saying earlier. This is a right. whole episode. So I'm summing it up. But there's so much evidence there's for this. A lot here. Um, we'll talk about Barry Seal more in a second. But basically kind of hard to believe that Clinton governor at the time was not involved or knew about this massive government sponsored drug smuggling operation into the Mina airport, a place that he was free frequent prostitutes. We at least know that much. And a lot of <laughs> murders happened in this area. Um, I'm not super familiar with like Arkansas's layout. If that's like near the Capitol or whatever. My point is this was not an area unfamiliar. This was not something yeah. that he could have not known about. And this becomes especially clear when we talk, uh, take a look at the corner, Dr. Femi Malik. So after a grand jury overruled Malik in the Ives Henry case, Clinton hired two out of state pathologists to review Malik's performance and they gave him high marks and said he should get a raise. Oh, two months no. later, Clinton sent a proposal to the legislature to raise Malik's salary by 41.5% to $117,000 a year. In the 80s? As a state, yeah, in the 80s, as a government employee. Oh, wow. Making that's... literally, I believe, more than the governor of the state at the time. Wow. What this an attaboy. This guy has a long history of being really bad, either really bad at stuff or covering up a lot of murders is my point. So, yeah. <clears throat> again, what I'm saying here is that these boys, according to witnesses that we'll get into and, and tons of evidence and stuff like that, 
basically stumbled upon a drug trade at this at, at this internet, you know, the CIA backed international drug smuggling that Bill Clinton had to have known about. Had to have known. And then they were killed, stabbed in the back, <clears throat> beaten with a rifle, butt, put on the tracks, wrapped in a tarp, ran over. The guy says they smoked 20 marijuanas and fell asleep on the tracks. When they Excellent. overturn him, when they overturn him, they're like, actually, he's a wonderful corner. Let's give him a 41.5% raise for, you know, covering my ass. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, so, doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Dr. Femi Malik quote was sort of protected by the governor and the state crime laboratory board says state representative Bob Fairchild. But, sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but why? But why was he right? Right. So he <laughs> I think it's because he looks the other way, but you could also say besides that, if you go through this guy's history, he's just so incompetent, like <sighs> historically throughout his career, like so incredibly incompetent wow. as a coroner that that is what the, the, the mainstream, I also the left because the left loves to protect Bill Clinton to this day. Yeah, it's what the mainstream loves to protect Bill Clinton over is they'll say, well, Dr. Malik, I mean, he was just a real idiot. Like he did some really bad stuff. And yes, most of the time it was around like gang related killings that linked people to the Mina airport and Bill Clinton, but it was just that he was incompetent, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that works, right? Is if you get a guy who's super incompetent, you tell him to look the other way. Okay. You, you got, got tons of cover there, right? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but here's where it gets interesting. Malik also had an interesting history with the Clinton family. Hmm. Uh, so this is according again to the Wall Street Journal 1996 says a Los Angeles Times report in May of 1992 notes that Dr. Malik's other controversial cases included one involving Mr. Clinton's mother nurse. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nurse anesthesiologist Virginia Clinton Kelly. It said that Dr. Malik's 1981 ruling in the death of one patient Mrs. Kelly was attending helped her avoid legal scrutiny in the in that death when she was already defendant for negligence suit in another patient's death. So Woo! Bill Clinton's mom killed two people oh, and my. Dr. Malik got her off, covered it up for her. <clears throat> so he got so, it from his mama. He owes this guy a favor. And yes, it, yeah. it, it it's genetic or something like <laughs> Bill Clinton's mom literally killed two people. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> allegedly, definitely killed two people. The suit was eventually settled by the hospital. Mrs. Kelly's hospital privileges were revoked in 1981 and she mm. withdrew from practice. So the hospital's like, I don't care that right. uh, you didn't get in legal trouble for killing two patients. Yeah. You're gone. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want you. Another uh, uh, maybe maybe Malik's most infamous uh, bad uh, autopsy comes in the form of a guy named James Millen at um, uh, and uh, so allegedly he had information on the deaths of Ives and Henry, the, the boys on the track. Mm -hmm. And he Malik listed the cause of death as a perforated ulcer, despite the fact that James was missing his head. <laughs> do, do ulcers cause your head to explode <laughs> or just fall off your body? Well, according to yeah, according to Malik, the dog ate his head like yes. the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. How I long also, was he dead I before also, they found him? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Not that long. Not long enough for a dog to eat your entire right. head, right? So I looked up defendants of the Clintons that were like, well, dogs, you know, eat the faces of dead bodies all the time. I'm like, the face. Faces? Not the entire head. The soft part, And I maybe. mean, the whole thing. Right. None of this was found. <laughs> None of, well... 
Not yet. Well, not yet. So right. Milam, Milam's daughter-in-law insisted that Milam was murdered. No shit. She no. claimed that Malik showed her photographs of the headless corpse and the neck was cut clean. Like not by a dog not chewing chew it marks. off. Yeah, not chew marks. Oh my god. Um, so also his head was found later on, according to most sources, intact in a trash bin. So it's hard to get around the fact that everybody, even kind of Snopes has to agree with this, and they do a little bit, hmm. uh, that Malik kind of messed this one up and kind of maybe covered up for a beheading of someone who had information on a prominent case in the state. Uh, blamed on the dog. Literally forged the wow. autopsy to say that he found human skull parts in the dog's stomach. Like oh the whole goodness. like the whole thing is for, and which couldn't be possible because no. his head was found in a trash can, right? So because they found the whole thing. Here's where this gets interesting. So Snopes says that he died three months before Ives and Henry. So he couldn't have had information on them. Mm. And I did a lot of research on this because I didn't want I'm like, well, this still shows he's bad, like a bad coroner. Maybe this is different, whatever. Right. So I, I researched this for a couple hours and oh, gosh. Uh, I, I found the grave of another James Millam who died five months before. So that's the uh, only thing I could find that kind of linked up to what Snopes is saying. So either they got that wrong and said three months before when it was actually five months before. Right. But then you'd have to ignore the fact that the LA Times, the Baxter Bulletin, the Wall Street Journal, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. All got this story completely wrong in the 1980s when it happened. <laughs> and today when I can't find any dang sources except all the ones that say that he was definitely killed and had connections to the case. Right. But Snopes somehow, without citing their sources, knows that it was a different James Millam that doesn't exist. That died Just three months before, them. but actually it was five months before. Yeah. So, and that's the only thing they dispute. The rest of the story, they're like, yeah, no, this guy really did that. And it, it was pretty <laughs> bad, wasn't it? And yeah, Bill but, Clinton did give him a 40% raise. But oh, uh, it's no way this is connected, guys. There's, you're you're, str- you're love, reaching. You gotta reaching. love Snopes. Um, oh, they're great. I hope that Clinton money is worth it, guys. So Keith Coney is another one that comes up and I'm going to go through the next few really quick because there's yep. a lot of people connected to this case who died. Yes. Keith Coney, May 1988, had initially been with Kevin and Ives and Don Henry the night of the train deaths. He told relatives that law enforcement officials were responsible for the murder and two days later he was killed while riding his motorcycle at very high speed. Some articles say he was chased. Some say it doesn't matter because it was a stolen motorcycle so it couldn't have been that he was murdered or anything like that. No. But I just want to remind you guys that his claim was that the law enforcement that Bill Clinton was using for other dirty deeds helped cover up this crime. Goodness. And when the law enforcement finds him smashed into the back of a semi truck mm-hmm. and they say we weren't chasing him. It's not exactly like this is my point is like I'm not saying you have to believe the story, but you haven't proven anything Snopes when the allegation is it was the police trying to kill the guy and then the police say we didn't kill him. We didn't, we didn't do it. <laughs> it's such a stupid argument. Yeah. Look, you don't have to believe it. I'm just saying once you like look at the preponderance of evidence because we got Keith McCaskill. So on November 1988, Keith was allegedly at the tracks the night with Kevin and Don. He turned over the information that he knew to Richard Garnett and he immediately told everything that he knew to his family and friends and also told his family that he had told the wrong people what he knew when he told Garnet the information. So he's like, Hey police, here's the thing that you're covering up. And then he's like, shit, that was a, not oh, a good idea. Whoops. He was convinced entirely convinced. And this is according to his family. There's a whole book about these, these yes. cases, the mother of, I think, uh, Don? Ives, one yeah. of yeah, Don Ives, I think, I think so. one like interviewed everybody involved and wrote a book on this. So that's yes. where a lot of this information comes from. 
his family says that he was convinced after he told Garnet that he was going to be murdered the night. And this, this next part is reported by a lot of people at a local bar. He says the, the night of the local elections in 1988, Keith had laid two cents on the wagon wheel tavern bar and said, if Jim Steed wins this sheriff election tonight, my life's not worth two cents within days. He was stabbed to death 113 times. 113 times. Sounds like a message. I was just going to say, that's like a more message. more than one perpetrator. And more than one person. Because not to get too... People try to say it's a crime of passion without being able to point to anyone that, like a wife, an ex girl Like, they're just like, oh, well, he was stabbed too many times for it to have been a murder. Like a, a planned murder. Right. Not, I mean, do we think that like hitmen are like sane and rational people? Right. Because we've I, seen movies like it, it, it couldn't have been a gang of, of people like cops, drug dealers stabbing no him kidding. 113 times. Sounds like a message. Yeah. And I just not to get too gross with this, but 113 times if it was one person who was passionate, I know it's possible, but you got to think of all the energy and how difficult it is. <laughs> Everybody who's got their turkey thought out tonight, if you go and try and stab that go. thing, one hundred. You guys, you guys want times. shredded turkey for Thanksgiving tomorrow? <laughs> stab your turkey one hundred thirteen times. Report back to us. Let yeah. us know how that goes. Let me know how long. That takes. <clears throat> we got Gregory Collins is in January nineteen eighty nine. He was scheduled to appear at the grand jury, and, and he had yeah. been subpoenaed, uh, and uh, he was shot in the face with a shotgun. His role of suicide. Uh, Booney Bearden, March 1989, was a friend of both Greg Collins and Keith Coney, and he vanished without a trace. Jeff Rhodes, April of 1989, he told his family he knew too much about the murders of Kevin and Don and McCaskill, and his body was found in a trash dump. He had a severe gunshot blast to the head. His hands and feet had been partially sawn off. Uh. Sounds more like a torture, but it was just right. unsolved murder. Unsolved right? murder, yeah. Richard Winters, July 1989, was a possible suspect in the deaths of Ives, of Ives and Henry. He was cooperating and was to be a witness for Don and Kevin with the grand jury. He was gunned down in cold blood via shotgun blast to his face in a robbery. So, yeah. And what so that's how, there's a lot of robberies we're going to talk about tonight that yeah. nothing gets stolen at all. Right. There's a lot of robberies with there's bad a lot robbers. Of really bad <laughs> thieves out yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. Like they don't understand what you're supposed to do. <laughs> we got two more that are still connected to this. Yep, we got Jordan uh, uh, Kettleson, June of 1990. He was believed to be connected to the murder of McCaskill. He was shot at point blank range in the head via shotgun in his pickup truck. And Mike samples of June of 1995. He was another grand jury witness for Don and Kevin. He was reported as knowing a great deal about the deaths of Ives and Henry. Sources say he was involved with picking up drugs that were dropped out of planes at the Mina drop sites. Mm. He was shot to death in the head and was not found for some time. So anyone who had anything to do with it, this is why this is unsolved. Like right. we don't know who killed these kids except all the people who said I do know who killed these kids or I was involved in killing these kids because I was one of the drug smugglers who was picking up, you know, dropped drugs out of airplane. This right. is the other thing that I find funny too is the mainstream sources will try to say that Barry seal never dropped drugs in Arkansas, that he was flying them from uh, Mexico, Nicaragua, wherever he did a lot of different flights. So Brazil, yeah. Mexico, Nicaragua, wherever bring them, dropping them over Louisiana and then landing at Mina, Arkansas. That's what they mm -hmm. all say, but they'll ignore all of the people who are involved in this. who are like, hey, they were dropping them over Arkansas as well and yeah. plenty, plenty of other places. Yeah. 
gosh. <sighs> so just everybody who knew anything about this case dies. Bill Clinton gives the coroner who screws it all up a raise. Yeah. You tell me if that's connected. Nothing suspicious. Next, we got Danny Casalaro, who is an investigative reporter who was looking into the Mina Airport and the Arkansas Development Financial Authority. He was looking into a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, he claimed he was able to tie all of this together with the Iran-Contra scandal. And uh, one I'm going to read you next comes from the New York Times, August 16th, 1991. It says a freelance writer was found dead with his wrist slashed in a hotel room in Martinsburg, West Virginia. A week ago, he was buried near here today amid uncertainty about the cause of death and evidence that he was working on an article about a major government conspiracy. The body of Joseph Daniel Casalero, 44 years old of Fairfax City, Virginia, was discovered by West Virginia authorities on Saturday in what was tentatively ruled a suicide. Mr. Castellaro's family and friends said he had told them that he was going to Martinsburg to meet a source for the story they'd been working on for more than a year. Dr. Castellaro said that he was very skeptical that his brother committed suicide for the several for several reasons, including the fact that his brother had recently received numerous death threats and that none of his notes or uh, on the case were found with his body. Convenient. Because that's what you do when you're researching a case and you're talking about it and you've met with tons of people and you're getting death threats is you destroy all of your case and then slit your wrists. Yes, absolutely. Because you have nothing to live for except, you know, a drive to expose evil and something to do. Right. (laughs) I just I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, do we really believe that people with like that are that deep into something are just like, you know what? I don't want to finish this. You know what? I've dedicated a whole year of my life to this and I'm over it. So I'm just going to get rid of it and myself. Yeah. Yeah. Finding of suicide was made by Dr. James Frost, West Virginia's deputy medical examiner, but he said that he could not rule out foul play. So even the guy who ruled it suicide was like, well, I mean, it it looks like a suicide, but, but I don't know if it really is. Mm -hmm. Mr. Richardson said today that the significant thing about Danny's death is that he was just seeking confirmation of what he believed he already knew. He said that if the informers Mr. Casalero had already talked to were to be believed, it involved a conspiracy far worse than Watergate, one that involved BCCI drugs and the persistent but uh, unproven allegations that in 1980, some members of Ronald Reagan's presidential campaign team worked to delay the release of American hostages in Iran to damage President Jimmy Carter's reelection chances. These Mm. are not separate. So this is a quote says these are not separate cases. If the people are to be believed as for himself, Mr. Richardson said he did not know whether to believe Mr. Castellaro's far reaching conspiracy theory, which the report dubbed as the octopus. So all that to be said, how does this tie back to Clinton? Right? Right. The Mina airport scandal was part of, again, the CIA's drug smuggling operation. Uh, We'll do future episodes on this whole thing, but the octopus was linking them all together. So this is one of those ones where I'm actually not convinced that this was Bill Clinton's doing, but there's a hundred percent involved Bill Clinton. The thing is it also involved George Bush It involved uh, tons and tons of names, Reagan, tons and tons of names. Yeah. The the CIA as a whole, like tons of people wanted this guy dead. Kind of like the Epstein thing, which we'll get into the end of this. Yes. Was Clinton was Clinton was Clinton going to be impacted by this? 100% he would have been because the Absolutely. media airport was was a key part of this drug smuggling operation run by the CIA. This involved all of it. This this whole thing is like is this, you know, 
is it just a Clinton thing or is it that the whole government's kind of, you know, a a big, dirty, rotten crime family? And I think that's what we're finding in this episode is like, yes, the Clintons are dirty. Yes, they individually did really awful things. But man, time and time and time again, do they seem to be on the same side as their political opponents? Yep. In who the who's getting killed and who it's benefiting. Yeah, exactly. The more and more you dig into this, and I haven't done anywhere near the research that you have for this, but the more you dig in, the more you're like, oh my gosh, there are so many people possibly connected. Like you said, all the higher ups, all of these political yeah. movers and shakers, they're all involved yeah. in something. With it, there's it. so many names in this. Yeah. yeah. So going back to Snopes really quick, they mysteriously leave this one off their extensive debunk list. Uh, it's supposedly that covers all 47 people on the list, except it doesn't. If you right. read through it, it'll just jump from like 30 to 42 at one point. Yes. Um, it just leaves this one off completely. So they seem to, the other thing I've noticed about this list is that they purposefully misspelled names of people that they don't want to debunk. So there's a couple of times where like, we couldn't find anything on this person, but they spelled their name wrong in the article. So if you go off that name and uh-huh. research it, you also won't find anything. Um, but you can find them if you read the original list and you see that their names are spelled wrong. So one of these people is John Hillier. This was the one that stuck out to me the most. Mm-hmm is that he's a video, video journalist and investi- an investigator who helped produce the documentary Circle of Power and the Clinton Chronicles, and he mysteriously died in a dentist chair for no apparent reason, right? Like, this is the story that you'll see on the lists. Snope says, again, we could find no record of this man's death or his work. There have been a few dental chair deaths, but we turned up nothing on this one, except it took me five minutes of looking at guy's real name, to yeah. find interviews with the people who made the documentary saying he was their cameraman to find an IMDB where he's uh-huh. listed as a cameraman who worked for, for CBS or ABC. Uh, it, my point is there is plenty of evidence on this guy, even though I couldn't find his death. I'll agree with Snopes on that, but that doesn't right. prove anything other than that. There's, you know, not a lot of information out there, but you can find people who work with them who will tell you the story about the dental chair. You can find his IMDb that says he is who he says he is and that people hired him to work on certain documentaries. So when Snopes pretends like this man just doesn't exist and is made up, but then spells his name intentionally wrong, Suspicious. makes me feel like it makes me feel like they're not just bad at their job, that they're like actively covering for the Clintons. So exactly. That'd be one thing if they were just <clears throat> bad at this, but you can't be that bad are, at this. Which they I mean, are, but it's like worse than that, right? Worse than that. I wish it's it was even just worse. that they were bad at this. Right. Yeah. They're bad at being <clears throat> bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh. So let's talk about Barry Seal for a minute. So yes. he began working with the CIA as a contract pilot in the 1950s. He smuggled weapons to Fidel Castro to overthrow Batista. He trained Cuban exiles in Florida and flew them into Cuba to fight against Castro after Castro overthrew Batista, which he helped do. Uh, he was possibly involved with the death of JFK. According to his wife, Deborah, Bar- quote, Barry Seal flew a getaway plane out of Dallas after JFK was killed. So that's interesting. Hey, we're going to go to a whole episode of this guy in the future. Wow. According to Deborah Seal, her husband became involved in drug smuggling in 1975. And on the 10th of December, 1979, Barry Seal and Steve Planta were arrested in Honduras after arriving from Ecuador with 40 kilos of cocaine, newspapers reported that $25 million worth of cocaine was confiscated and the men were charged with having 17 kilos of cocaine in their possession. Seal spent months in prison uh, before being released without charge. (laughs) 
<laughs> Gotta love how that works. Uh, yes. By 1982, Barry Seal was bringing drugs in the United States on behalf of the Medellin cartel. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. And he moved his base of operations from Louisiana to Mena, Arkansas. And uh, which is like this obscure air sport or air, airport in the mountains of Arkansas. Yeah. And his whole list of crimes goes on again. We'll cover him more. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because seal was also offered or seal at one point also offered to provide information to the DEA implicating federal officials in the Iran Contras scandal. And this included a man named Richard Ben uh, Veniste. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He represented both Barry Seal and Bill Clinton in the early 1980s. He was also the chief of the Watergate task force of the (laughs) Watergate special prosecutor's office, which, by the way, if you don't know, Hillary Clinton worked with that team. Yep. And he was also the Democrats chief counsel on the Senate of the Whitewater Committee. And he argued that the Clintons did no wrong in connection with their investment in a failed land development project named Whitewater or in their Arkansas business affairs, nor did they commit violations of law after Mr. Clinton became president to be able to say that with the stuff we're about to go into with the whitewater scandal. Yeah. Tells you that this guy is bought and paid for by the Clintons. He's also representing Barry seal. Barry seals operating in Arkansas. I'm just saying there's a lot of connections there, so you can say it's tentative if you want, but again, is this a Clinton crime family problem or is it an organized government crime family problem? And I think that's what it is. And the Clintons are just a part of this. Yeah. Um, we want to keep going into Barry seal. We just want to jump into, uh, I'm I'm not trying to go too long, but basically Barry seal was killed, um, outside of a salvation army. And, uh, They arrested a couple of guys that were cartel members of the Mendelin cartel, but even people close to him were like, yeah, I think the CIA kind of let them kill this guy. So yeah, uh, I'll just save the rest of that for a future episode. I was going to go into his death, but I don't think Clinton killed this guy either, but it does seem like the government had their hand. It is my point. We'll go into that in a future episode. Last guy I'll mention with this uh, last two guys I'll mention with this scandal is Johnny Lawhorn Jr. Yes, he was another name that Snopes conveniently left off their list. And the story goes that Johnny died on March 31st, 1998. He owned a transmission repair shop and found a check made out to Bill Clinton in the truck of Barry Seal's car left at his repair shop. He was found dead in his car after it hit a utility pole. Nobody campaign. Nobody is refuting this on the sites on the debunk sites. Make of that what you will. I also got him Gandy Baugh, who was the attorney for Bill Clinton's friend, Dan R. Lank, uh, Lassiter and the LA Times says that Dan R. Lassiter, an Arkansas friend and fundraiser, proved an embarrassment to President Clinton as a convicted cocaine user and distributor. He freely acknowledged that he had lobbied Clinton as governor and had contributed to his state campaign in an effort to win business for his bond underwriting business. So this guy, Dan Lassiter, Bill Clinton's friend and drug smuggler, had a lawyer named Gandy Baugh who had died by allegedly jumping out of the window of a tall building. In January 1994, just mm. the exact time when all of these connections are trying to be covered up by the Clintons. So, yeah, a lot of people jumped out of tall buildings also. <laughs> yes. That knew the Clintons. That's just crazy. Yeah. So you looked into the Whitewater scandal. Let's get into this. This is one of the biggest like scandals of the 90s that like came back to haunt Clinton from his days in Arkansas. Yeah, exactly. And because of that, a lot of deaths happened. A lot of deaths happened with this one, too. So. 
First of all, this is a very general <laughs> overview of all of this because I feel like you could do one two part series. There's a on very this good po- alone. There's a again very good possibility that some of these things, again, especially if you guys yeah. are interested, we will go into in deep. Yeah, I already feel like this episode's going long because I'm Ooh. going through so many names. So, but yeah, this a brief through. overview on Whitewater. Yeah, so basically the Whitewater investigation controversy. It was a nickname for a series of investigations of President Clinton that lasted nearly seven years. It ended with his impeachment by the House, but it was acquitted by the Senate. So like you have the Monica Lewinsky thing thrown in here too. You have a bunch of other things Mm -hmm. that were thrown in to get him impeached in this Whitewater thing. But where it all started back in 78, um, Bill and Hillary, so I think he was governor at this time. Yeah. And yes, he was. So Bill and Hillary, along with Jim and Susan McDougal, formed the Whitewater Development Corporation. They'd been friends for a long time. Jim was a real estate entrepreneur, and he was like, hey, hey, Bill, you want to get in on this with me? I think we can make some money. And the idea was to purchase 230 acres of riverfront property and sell separate lots and make their money that way. So... Right. No money up front. River, but riverfront is Arkansas's oceanfront. Exactly. Property. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so they purchased the land for $203,000. Um, the four of them together took out a loan for $180,000. And then Jim took out an additional loan for the down payment. <clears throat> this whole thing just flopped. Basically, the property flooded after a heavy storm, so you couldn't access the property. And then the interest rates went through the roof in the late 70s and 80s. So people couldn't afford vacation <clears throat> homes anyway. Right. So none of this is illegal yet. 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 Uh, but what McDougal did later was. So he bought a savings and loan, loan association and renamed it Madison Guarantee and defrauded. Um, hold on just a second. Got to get my notes together. While you're while you're looking that up, somebody yeah. uh, Shelby asked me. I'm a little behind. Oh, did yeah, you I use the Wayback Machine for Part Four? I did actually. Uh, the problem I had, and maybe maybe I can find it, but the problem was that the the link, like it would be this this article or this you know whatever 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 dot com slash this article slash Part One, and then Part Two would be like PT Two, and then Part Three would be like part underscore three. So I tried all the different variations to find part four and I still couldn't find it. it maybe the way back. Maybe I just don't know what like end link they like used, but um, right. yeah, I was I've like legitimately spent a long time looking for part four. If somebody finds we it, did too. Uh, put it in our discord because I, I really want to read it. Yeah, I want to see what else is on there. Yeah, or just that it's there. <laughs> yeah, just that it's there. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so Jim bought this company renamed it uh, Madison Guarantee and another small investment business, another small business investment firm called Capital Management Services. He like defrauded both of them for $3 million. Somehow in the end, this cost the federal government $73 million. I don't know. But the criticism here was that this was McDougal's fraud, not the Clinton's. And people were trying to trump this up so that Clinton would be impeached and Make a bigger deal. Out he, of was just a, he was just a 50-50 partner with McDougal. It couldn't have been any of Clinton's fault at all, right? He was, an, he was, uh, <laughs> exactly. What did they say? He was just a victim 
in this whole a victim a of victim benefiting of from millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of defrauded government money. Yep. Yes. <clears throat> and um, McDougal did get uh, convicted. Yes, he did. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did. Um, his wife did too. Mm-hmm. Um, David Hale, who was the former president of Capital Management Services, one of the ones that was um, part of the fraud, said the Clintons were in on it, and Bill tried to pressure him, David Hale, into giving a fraudulent loan of $3 million to Susan McDougal, so Jim's wife, to shore up Whitewater. Um, McDougal himself eventually turned on the Clintons after he was convicted of fraud, saying they were in on this the whole time. Because of course they were. Because of course they were. <laughs> and like, he basically made a plea deal and was like, okay, so here's the real story. Once the, right. Once all of that was, the Clintons were in on it. But they were never charged with anything. Nothing really came of this, though, until the 90s. Mm-hmm. So in March of 92, the New York Times wrote an article reporting that the Clintons, who were then running for pre- presidency, lost money money. In the Whitewater Development Corporation, which is what they started with the McDougals. And this sparked the interest of L. Jean Lewis. Lewis worked for Resolution Trust Corps, which was a government-owned asset management company charged with liquidating assets. So, And primarily it was real estate, mortgages, mm. and so on. Um, she was already looking into the failure of the Madison Guarantee, which is what McDougal bought and turned into his own way of basically laundering money. Um And in 92, she submitted a criminal referral to the FBI, naming Bill and Hillary as witnesses. And she also got in in touch with the Little Rock U.S. attorney. Everybody basically was like, you don't have enough here to go on. Quit pestering us. But for like two more years, she just constantly was like, no, I got this now. I got this now. Like, can we charge him now? How about now? They're like, no, no, no. Um, Until it became public knowledge that she was doing this. Right. And so once that kind of leaked, it all snowballed into the whitewater controversy and got Bill and Hillary in some hot water. But here's the thing. This is why it's such a big deal or suspicious. In 98, James McDougal, who was um, convicted of fraud and put in jail, he was a key witness to this whole thing, obviously. Right. And he died of a heart attack in solitary confinement. Now, you know, okay, heart attack. Why was he in solitary? Like, I've never been able to find that part of why he was in solitary confinement. Nope, me neither. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Um, so they realized he was having a heart attack. Nobody gave him a defibrillator. Like, nobody tried to do anything for him there at the prison, which they w- could have. Yeah, obviously. They, obviously. Yeah. And then they called an ambulance and the ambulance didn't take him to the nearest hospital. It took him to a hospital further away, which was known for like its bad reputation. And he died there. So we're not taking him to the good place. We're not going to help this dude out. I don't know. Suspicious. A little. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's not the most concrete of all the stuff, but it is weird enough to be like, "Eh, that's just a little too convenient for old Bill. For right. Slick Willie, yeah. Slick Willie. Slick exactly. Willie. <laughs> it's just convenient. But wait, there's more. <clears throat> so then, in 93, Vince Foster, who was a prominent Arkansas attorney, he lived across the street from the Clintons, knew them really well. He hired Hillary to work in, at the Rose Law Firm with him. Mm-hmm. The Rose Law Firm also 
was where Hillary represented McDougal's savings and loan firm, trying to like help him out that way. Nothing weird there. Um, and he was also involved in handling Whitewater issues for the Clintons until, and, and Bill also brought him on as um, an advisor, but part of his. His transition team to the yeah, White House. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Which is all part of travel. Um, <clears throat> Travel gate. There's a lot of gates he was involved, but he was, he was the guy, he wasn't like press secretary or anything, but he was the guy who like handled the shit, right? Like every bad thing that came to the Clintons when they transitioned and people all of a sudden these Clintons being looked at on a bigger scale because he's going from some state that nobody cares about governor. (laughs) Right. No offense to people in Arkansas, but nobody ever talked about Arkansas. It's a flyover state and it's not an, it's not an offense to you. It's just how the media treats you. Yes. And you know, flyover state country to president of the United States. All of a sudden people are looking into him and they're realizing, Oh wow, this guy's some, this guy's some dirt and all his dirt's coming up. And Vince Foster's job is to like deflect, deflect, deflect. Yeah. 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 So apparently he couldn't handle the pressure and it was a lot more than he thought it would be to go from Arkansas to DC. Didn't realize all the pressure crime network. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he (coughs) shot himself in Fort Mercy park. Fort Marcy Park. But the thing here is he had a briefcase that they found in his office, which I'll get into that in a second. But in the briefcase, there was a suicide note, but that wasn't found when they first opened it. It was found like three, four days later. Yep. The first person to find him at Marcy Park um, said there was no gun. Like, right. He shot himself, but there was no no weapon anywhere. Yeah. Yep. But then when the police showed up, he, he miraculously had the gun Developed in his hand. A, yeah. Yep. It just showed up. Yeah. Ha. And then, so within hours of the death of Vince Foster, Chief White House Counsel Bernard Nussbaum, which I, Nussbaum. Thank you. Yes. Nussbaum. Something like that. Nussbaum. Yeah. Removed documents, some of them concerning the Whitewater Development Corporation from Foster's office and gave them to Maggie Williams, who was the chief of staff to the first lady. According to the New York Times, Williams placed the document in a, in a safe in the Clinton's residence on the third floor of the White House for five days before turning them over, not to the police, not to anybody else, but the Clinton family lawyer. Ah, you gotta love it. The Clinton family lawyer. So you're saying the Clinton's best friend, Bill Clinton's best friend, yep. shoots himself in the head, yep. and his wife's first response is to send an intern into his office to take a bunch of documents and bring it to their safe and then to their lawyer. And then to their lawyer. Exactly. Yeah, right. Totally legit. Even if Vince Foster did kill himself. Right. That is such a like, here's the thing that I, I'm, I'm coming up against is there are people like Snopes who will be like, the Clintons didn't kill anybody. They just committed a ton of other crimes and aren't they <laughs> wonderful. They're fine. They're good people. It's insane to me. It is insane to me too. And with this level of proven crime that they've gotten away with for decades, uh, it's like, you can't think they would maybe rub some people off. Yeah, you can't. No, that's, that's, that's too far. They wouldn't go that. That's too far. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. That happens. Drugs. All that, but, uh, yeah. The thing with this working with cartels who kill people. Sure. But yeah, sure. But they're not doing it. So (laughs) whatever. The thing with this too is so the suicide note that they found days later, it was ripped into shreds. And when they put it back together, there were four separate experts who analyzed the handwriting. 
And the four of them separately all said, this is forgery. This is this not, is his not Vince Foster's handwriting. This is not his handwriting. Um, of so course. all of that. So of course, of course, but there's more people who died because of, in all of this too. There were a ton of people who got, um, indicted in all of this, like 15 separate people. I mean, it was, it's so convoluted and right. Yeah. We'll just sum it up. So I'm summing it up. Yeah. So John Parnell Walker, he was an investigator for resolution trust Corps, which is the same company as the lady who kind of started this whole thing. Right. Um, some articles say he jumped. Some say he fell from his apartment balcony in 1993 and he was investigating the Morgan guarantee company as well so another person who fell and then this one is really difficult to find anything on so i'm not sure the legitimacy of it but it's weird that there's nothing out there necessarily to be found yes exactly yeah so neil moody neil moody's father was judge james moody he was a federal judge appointed by clinton and he married vince foster's widow lisa um, he stepped down from a case involving Jim Guy Tucker, who was the governor after Clinton, who was also involved in all of this in oh, one way or another. Because of course. Because of course. So he steps down. He was the third judge to do so, by the way, to step down and not handle the case with Tucker. Was it like a conflict of interest thing or was it like, uh, we say. don't want to. Yeah, exactly. We don't want yeah. to be killed too. Exactly. Yeah. I think he's yeah. like. I'm just not going to do this. It's like either I have to not do my job or yeah. get killed or get killed. So yeah. I guess I'm just going to take a time out on this. One. <laughs> take a time. Probably uh, smart. So his son, Neil Moody. Um, let's see. He died in Little Rock in 96. He was in a car crash, which was first said to be suspicious. But then later it was said, oh, he just had a heart attack and drove While his car into a, a brick wall. Yeah, he had a heart attack. Speeds. Exactly. Dried <sighs> his car, dro- drove his car. But you look up James Moody, and you can see that he had four children, but they only talk about two of them. And Neil is not one of them. And not the one who died in a car accident in Little Rock, Arkansas. There is of course n- not. Nothing, dude. I'm telling you, they bury this stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. that's why it's like I, I, I truly, guys, I try to do the work to not just be like this is what the list says and therefore right. it's true, right? Because I don't believe everything on the list is true. I really don't. There's a lot of names I left off it because I think they were just weak or just yeah. not true. Yeah. Uh, but when you see how much they try to bury stuff, it makes you really question, right? Makes you question it. Yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the Whitewater scandal in a nutshell. Some of the people who died, more people died around it. There's other yeah. names. Uh, I don't oh, f- there's a lot of other names. There Susan. is Stanley Huggins. Uh, yeah. I don't even mention Josh Wills. There's tons of names related to it that died, but yeah. Those were like the big ones that, uh, at least yeah. for me, that I was like. I agree. That's why I just was mentioning other names, like things that are brought up that I'm not 100% sure on. Yes. And Susan also, Susan was Jim McDougal's wife. She was pardoned by Clinton before he left office. Of course. <laughs> I <laughs> gotta love it. Yeah. Gotta love it. Uh, yeah. I have one more from Arkansas that I want to get into before we get into his presidency too much. So there's a guy named Jerry Parks and yeah. he was the head of Clinton's gubernatorial security team in Little Rock, Arkansas. He was gunned down in his car at a deserted intersection outside of Little Rock. Parks son said that his father had uh, was compiling a dossier on the Clintons and allegedly threatened to reveal the information that he found. And after he died, the files were mysteriously removed from his house. 
And this is a that's that's from the conspiracy websites that you're not right. supposed to trust. Here's from the Daily Telegraph in 1997. It says he became scared for his life after Vince Foster killed quote unquote killed himself. Um, so he was watching the news, saw Vince Foster killed himself, mm-hmm. and then was like, "That's not good." So he, this guy Jerry Parks did not believe that Vince Foster killed himself. Uh, at night, he this is these are actual quotes from the from the newspaper. It says at night he kept tearing anxiously at his eyebrows. Uh, and raiding the Valium pills of his wife, Jane, who was battling multiple sclerosis. Once he uh, muttered darkly that Bill Clinton's people were, quote, cleaning house, and he was next on the list. And even Snopes doesn't deny that this was a hit. They just say that it couldn't possibly have been the Clintons. Yes, this guy was at an intersection, gunned down in his car, people peeled off. Plenty of witnesses, by the way. His son is like, this guy was compiling a document, his wife was like, he was so nervous after seeing Vince Foster that he was stealing my Valium. Witness it like the whole nine yards. This guy was absolutely a hit. Yeah. And what they'll try to tell you is, well, it was just someone else that killed him. Yeah. yeah. Despite the fact that he worked for the for Clinton's team and he was a private investigator besides and he was compiling a list as a private investigator on the Clintons. None of that matters. It was a dispute with a business partner. Um, I, I love it that they, they don't, they don't like Snopes doesn't mind getting into conspiracy as long as it's not conspiracy about their people, right? Cause right. they will point some real conspiratorial fingers. We'll get into in a minute at other people. As long as it's not the Clintons who pay their bills. So you've heard of the bimbo eruptions, right? Yes. All right. So this is, this one's interesting. Cause this is not like a right wing talking point. This actually comes from Betty Ross, Wright, Who served as the chief of staff of governor Clinton for seven years. And then as deputy chair, of the 1992 Clinton presidential campaign. Uh, she coined the term bimbo eruptions to describe the rumors of uh, that were alleging extramarital affairs by bill. And according to journalist Michael is Isikoff, the Clinton's campaign in 1992 spent a hundred thousand dollars on private detective work related to women. He had allegedly definitely slept with. Allegedly, definitely. <laughs> right. <laughs> when the rumors first popped up, they would rush to get affidavits out to the women. So that was like half of their job. Their first thing was like, as soon as we hear a woman says this, we're going to rush to them, threaten them, make them sign an affidavit. So that way, when the news picks it up, we'll be like, oh, look, they signed a thing saying they didn't that he didn't strip them or whatever. Right. And when that failed, Hillary would work to discredit the women. She was like the head of the bimbo squad. There was like this whole bimbo eruption squad in the white house that Hillary was leaning up to protect her husband against his extramarital affairs. Uh, Do we want to talk about, do you think she's like a sexless being? Do you think she's a lesbian? Pretty much. I, I don't even know. I don't know. I think sexless being is more. A lot of people point to like her and Huma Abedin having something weird. And I'm like, I just don't think I, I think that she is like inhuman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think she has a sex drive. Definitely not. I don't think she's human. So (laughs) she probably doesn't have. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't think so. Like, I mean, there's allegations, rumors about her being a lesbian with whom at and stuff like that. I'm like, maybe, but I think it's more likely that she just does not like this is a political marriage. There's no one, no honest person, even on the left. That's like, yeah, that was like a real love story. As (laughs) I try to tell you about like, you know, Michelle Obama and, and you know, big Mike and, and Barry, (laughs) even though they went to Jeremiah Wright's church and like their whole thing at Jeremiah Wright's church was like, I will set you up with a woman. So people don't know you're gay. Yes. You know, like that's a love story to the left, but even they're like Bill and Hillary, like that's political to the core. (laughs) Like they do not care about each other. No, 
Definitely not. I think her <laughs> response to all of his um, marital affairs, and even when the Monica Lewinsky thing came out, like, I don't I feel like she didn't even bat an eye. She was just like, oh, I need to cover <clears throat> this up because it makes us look bad, not because there was any emotion to it. It was just. Exactly. Because again, she led the bimbo squad. So she's there at the forefront of this, getting all the stories about all the women that she knows he was banging uh, and getting them to sign (laughs) affidavits, you know, (laughs) and she even went on 60 minutes uh, to dispel the rumors of a 12 year affair that Bill had with Jennifer Flowers. There's a whole lot of Jennifer Flowers, but basically to sum it up, he later admitted to having sex with this woman. So. And she basically later on was like, yeah, Hillary, like if if they didn't have Chelsea, I would have been the first lady because like we were in such a long relationship and yeah. their whole thing was just like, well, we got a daughter together and we're, you know, it looks divorce better looks if we bad. Stay together. Looks, yeah. Yeah. So like their whole thing was political from the beginning. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, when a rock groupie told Penthouse in late 1991 that a state trooper approached her on Governor Clinton's behalf, Hillary said, quote, we have to destroy her story. But what do state troopers have to do with Bill Clinton's affair, you might ask? Mm-hmm. And that brings us to one of the weirdest things in this whole thing is Troopergate, which I don't I think, think a lot of people know about. I think there's lots of weird here, but like Troopergate's <laughs> just. <sighs> this one I don't know. In the 1990s, several Arkansas, 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 Arkansas state police. Arkansas. Let me try that again. <clears throat> In the late <laughs> 90s. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, okay. <clears throat> and scene. In the late 1990s, several Arkansas state troopers claimed that they had arranged sexual liaisons for the Arkansas governor, Bill Clinton, during his time in office. And the core allegations that the troopers made were that while on official duty, they scouted women and asked for their phone numbers to give to the governor. They secured motel rooms. They drove Clinton in state vehicles to the hotels and kept watch while Clinton was inside. Wow. Then they lent Clinton their own state cars to make his escape less noticeable. And they delivered gifts to the women afterwards and informed Clinton where his wife was at all times and then lied to her about where he was. These are what multiple state troopers started alleging in the 90s. And these troopers said that there was uh, these episodes involving dozens of women long from from long run running mistresses like Jennifer Flowers to single encounters like like Paula that we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Uh, And one of those encounters was a lady named Kathy Ferguson. And Kathy Ferguson was the, uh, or not one of those encounters. Sorry. One of the people that dies next. Yeah. The next, the next death we're going to talk about is Kathy Ferguson, who is the ex-wife of the Arkansas state trooper, Danny Ferguson. And he's the man who escorted Paula Jones to Clinton's suite. And Paula Jones alleged that uh, she was asked by an Arkansas state police trooper to report to the Clinton hotel room in the Excelsior hotel where Clinton uh, propositioned himself and exposed himself to her and in night and if you think this is all crap and, and money grabbing and things like that in 1998 clinton settled out of court with jones for eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars danny ferguson was a co-defendant in the original paula jones case and kathy had been divorced from him for four years at this point and she knew the details that uh, could ease and she could because she was divorced testify against her ex-husband. Ah, so in May of 1994, she was found dead in her apartment with a gunshot wound to the right temple 
right next to her packed suitcases. Her packed suitcases. Gotta love how that works because everybody packs a suitcase before they shoot themselves in the head. Exactly. She thought she could take it with her. So she. <laughs> and then a month later, Bill Shelton, her boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, her fiance, who had criticized publicly yes. the suicide ruling of his fiance, shot himself in the head over her gravesite. And the police report indicated that the fatal gunshot wound entry point was behind yeah. the right ear. Because that's how things are done. Because that's what you do. You go to your fiance's gravesite and shoot yourself in the back of the head yes. over her gravesite. When you've yeah. been saying publicly for a month, she didn't kill herself. She didn't, but I will. And I'll do it in a <laughs> terrible way. In the worst way possible worst over way. her gravesite. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So Okay. Some people make this next. I'm not, I don't believe this is a true thing, maybe, but like. The next day after he killed himself, this is when OJ killed, (laughs) killed his wife. Oh my gosh. So the next year and a half, that's like the main story. So some websites will be like, this whole thing was fake and you know, it's to cover. I don't think that's true at all. Right. But I do find it interesting that like, you've never heard of this probably because OJ killed his wife because of OJ. Yeah. So he took one for the team (laughs) or she did. Yeah, Nicole Anna, uh, Nicole Anna Simpson is that her name? Sure, I don't. Uh, Nicole Simpson took one for the team. Yeah, and so did uh, Goldwater, whatever Jewish waiter's name was called. That's right. I haven't looked into the freaking OJ trial in a long time. I'm screwing up the names. No, I haven't either. It was. It's one of those where I was just like, everybody <clears throat> knows except me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's people out there who think OJ's son did it. Maybe we'll dive into it one day. But the last time I looked into it, I was like, oh wow, OJ's guilty of sin. Oh yeah. <clears throat> but all right, so I want to talk about one that everybody who believes in the kill list is against the kill list, at least from what I've listened to this week, seems to ignore and think is not is a nothing burger. Right. And I don't. <laughs> I think this one is actually pretty big. So yeah. this is a lady named Mary Mahoney. And on July seventh, nineteen ninety seven, the bodies of twenty five year old Mahoney and two others, em- Emery Allen Evans also age 25 and Aaron David Goodrich age 18 were all found in the cold storage room by the morning crew at Starbucks coffee shop where Mahoney worked as a night manager and they'd all been shot to death. No money was taken in this robbery attempt. Uh, The store was still locked in the morning when the morning crew showed up from the outside and it was locked at the time of the robbery robbery. Because it was after closing hours. Yeah. That's an important. Those are some important facts. Yes. Yeah. If no, nothing else, yeah. no money. No money was taken in a robbery that happened inside a locked store that the guy got into and then left and locked up after himself. How, how nice. No <laughs> one heard any gunshots in this very downtown central public area. Yeah. Yeah. Mary was shot five times by two different caliber weapons by one guy, supposedly. Uh, and one of the shots was to the back of her head. Mahoney worked on Bill Clinton's 1992 campaign and worked as an intern during the Clinton's first term arranging tours for the White House. And she left the White House in 1995, took a job at Starbucks as an assistant manager. And this was located in Georgetown, which was frequented by pretty much everybody at the White House. It depends on which article you read. They'll be yeah. like, oh, yeah, Chelsea Clinton went there and Hillary Clinton went there. And, yes. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, um, Monica Lewinsky went there. Yep. Everybody, everybody went there because it's just right down the road, essentially. Yeah. Right. So two years after her death, after the death of these three people in the Starbucks, uh, a man named Carl Derek Havard Cooper, what a name. which is a what a name who needs a four name. names was picked up and interrogated for the murders. And he, okay, so some sources say it was a 15-hour-long interrogation. Some say it was 54-hour-long interrogation. But I just wanted to point out, everybody says this was a stupidly long interrogation where he maintained his innocence throughout the entire questioning. Wow. And he had been, and, and he said he'd been home with his wife at the time of the shooting. He had an alibi. Ultimately, though, he admitted to his role in the shooting after striking a deal where he confessed to additional murder of, to an additional murder of a security guard. Uh, and the deal was if Cooper confessed to both the Starbucks uh, murders and the security guard killing that the DA would take the death penalty off the table and just give him a life sentence instead. The Washington Post reported that during his trial, Cooper told FBI agents, I swear on my father's grave and my son's life that I didn't do Starbucks. Cooper's attorney, Stephen Kirch, told U.S. District Attorney Judge Joyce uh, Hans Green, no matter how many times Mr. Cooper denied the involvement, they kept pressuring him. They kept pressuring him until they got what they wanted. And further than that, his guilty plea directly contradicts the facts of the case. What he says is he went into the Starbucks with a 38 revolver, shot it into the air that Mary Mahoney after he directed him into the back room, tried to take his gun from him. So then he shot her and panicked and then shot the other two with a six or five shot 38 special right. shoots her at least five times shoots the other two a couple of times headshots all three of them. Yeah, just to make with sure two, with two different caliber weapons, but this was all done with a five shot 38 special. Yes. Snub nose. Wow. 38 special which is the loudest effing gun. If anybody is a gun person, a snub nose 38 is so stupidly loud. It's not funny. And that's how the defense used this, that it was a loud gun, 10 loud gunshots that he had. He had to reload. Like, come on guys. This whole thing is stupid. Oh, wow. He shot her five times, including in the back of the head. He shot the other two guys, then shot them in the back of the head with a 38 snub nose and then because oh my gosh I didn't think about this when I shot a warning shot into the ceiling that it was going to be loud right so I had to leave without taking anything the store's not messed up I locked the door after myself on the way out was there a bullet hole in the ceiling I have no idea I know I mean this was hard to find stuff on I know not in the original reports though I'm telling you that like there's nothing saying about this gunshot into the ceiling until his testimony Right. Which, again, directly contradicts the evidence of the case multiple times. He maintains his innocent, takes the plea deal, according to him and his lawyer, specifically to avoid the death penalty. Because right. what they're, choice they're did going he have? to go after this guy no matter what. 54. Yeah. If that story is to believe 54 hours interrogation, you'll admit to anything. No kidding. Especially no kidding. when you're convinced they're going to put you away. They're going to put you on the death penalty for yeah. sure. Oh, He's probably not a very smart individual, right? Like it doesn't seem like he called a lawyer or anything. He just like put up with a 54 hour interrogation. Exactly. Well, that's what I was going to ask is if he, he was, obviously look, didn't he have was a, a petty criminal. He was a petty yes. criminal. Like they went after this guy for a reason. He was probably really yeah. dumb. Exactly. So I'm, I'm sure his like whole story with that wasn't intentionally that bad because I, I'm sure he just, he they had didn't to coach him good enough. They that's told for sure. him to admit. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like they had to make it fit as best they could to get the guilty plea out of him. But even that is like, 
I don't know. He said he was guilty, so what can they do about it? But it just doesn't even add up, and you can't fight that. You know what I mean? I know. Like, I know. But yeah. but look anyway. what the police did to him. Yeah. There's so many dirty cops in this freaking store. I feel like yeah. by the end of this, I'm more yeah. mad at the cops. No kidding. <coughs> than I am at Clinton uh. in a lot of ways. Um, so why this is important is um, author David M. Hoffman spent a year investigating Mary Mahoney's murder, and he told the Globe magazine columnist Tom Nucci that her murder came only three days after Lewinsky told the president that she was going to tell her parents about the relationship. And Lewinsky said that the Clintons had a violent reaction to this news, informing her it's a crime to threaten the president. Hoffman said Monica took the threat seriously, telling Linda Tripp that she feared for both for both of their lives. If the affair with the Clintons had ever become public, Lewinsky apparently told uh, many of her friends. I don't want to wind up like Katie, which is the girl's middle name. Or, or Mahoney, right? Shouldn't line up like Mahoney. Yeah. Secretly, uh, here's the thing too: is the question will come up, and I'm sure some people are asking this. Why was Mary Mahoney killed, right. and not Monica Lewinsky? And not Monica. There yep. was rumors at the time that there was someone with the letter M. This was public rumors was going to testify against Bill Clinton. If Mahoney was one of the women Bill Clinton slept with. Uh, it seems like there would be some, yep, you know, something there. Why did he kill her though? And not Monica's the, the big question. And I think it's because Monica really, really tried to protect bill. And I think that he yes. really was into Monica. Right. I, right, right. Uh, Cause Monica, here's a, a lot of people know the story. They think that Monica Lewinsky was just like the president had sex with me and here's the story public and just like went public with it. Like wanted it to be, she didn't ever want it to be public. In fact, she was secretly recorded talking to a coworker. That's Linda trip uh, at the Pentagon about the affair. She was then subpoenaed in the Paula Jones trial. She went to the white house after she was subpoenaed to tell bill about it. And according to a 1998 CNN report, Lewinsky later told prosecutors that the president encouraged her to be evasive to investigators during this meeting. So she's going and meeting with Bill. Like, how do I make sure that people don't know about this thing? And then she files an affidavit denying the affair with Bill Clinton. <clears throat> she then gets caught on a wire again, talking to Linda Tripp. She doesn't realize that's where this is coming from. Um, and in exchange for grand jury testimony, Lewinsky received transactional immunity. That's when she turned over the semen stained dress. That was the, the linchpin in the whole thing that basically prove that Bill Clinton and her had sex. Uh, she didn't want to snitch on Bill. And I think maybe if you have, if you, all right. So the next thing I want to talk about are mysterious plane crashes. Cause there's a lot of, them. I don't think we're gonna get into all of them, but there's at least two that I want to yeah. bring up. Yeah. And this is another one. I just saw about Mary Mahoney and maybe you guys disagree with me. I, I think the preponderance of evidence is like she was killed, right? Like this was a hit and you yes. can debate on what, why or whatever, who, nobody knows in the end, but like Ron Brown is another one that I've always thought was suspicious. And then a lot of the stuff I've listened to and videos I've watched just kind of skips over Ron Brown. Like, hey, he died in a plane accident. What are you going to say? Uh, and as Snow says, so people, much. people die in plane accidents all the time. All the time happens every day, just like train crashes all the time, every day. <laughs> Train crashes in Ohio where they decide to detonate the that it happens every day. All the time. Do you remember that? No, like legitimately last year they were like plane crashes happen to th- or uh, train crashes happen a thousand times a day. I was like, no, they don't. I don't have to go anywhere or or research this at all to know that that's not true. <laughs> like no. everybody knows that's not true. Yeah. 
plane crashes don't happen every day. And listen to this and tell me if you think plane crashes like this happen every day. So Ron Brown was secretary of commerce under Clinton and he was a former DNC chairman. At the time of his death, Brown was being investigated for campaign funding violations and for taking bribes like a $700,000 bribe uh, was one of the allegations. This is a little bit, just a small chunk of change. Yeah. So to protect his son, Michael from prison, I don't, and I don't remember exactly what Michael was charged with different crime, but they yeah. offered him a plea deal, essentially like snitch on the Clintons and we'll, we'll make sure Michael doesn't get it too bad. Ron Brown threatened to then expose the white house's yet unrevealed Asian fundraising scheme in which Brown played a major role. So this would include the $700,000 bribe, and this would include them selling political favors to Asian individuals for, for money. Hmm. So Brown had gone to Croatia to broker a sweetheart deal between the neo-fascist strongmen who ran Croatia, Franjo Tujman, and Enron. <laughs> and Enron. Uh, that name, maybe maybe some of you Gen Zers don't know it. If you don't know what Enron is, we're not going to do it. We're going to talk about it here, but uh, lots of corruption, right? Yeah. It should be synonymous with corruption at this yes. point. Yeah. Same. So d- <laughs> corruption, Enron, synonyms. Uh, Same picture, right? Yep. So despite what he was doing for Enron, all of the wonderful things he was doing for Enron, (laughs) their executives decided we're going to take our own plane. Screw you, Ron Brown. We're going to take our own plane back from Croatia. (laughs) So Ron Brown and 34 others were killed in a plane crash in Croatia on April 3rd, 1996. The plane when the plane slammed into a mountain while on a this is this is the part I don't get like other official stories that slammed to the side of a mountain on a landing approach. What uh, landing approach? What landing <laughs> approach? Landing a, like face first into a mountain is there? Oh, it's just a failed landing approach like this. The language of this tells you how yeah. the media is lying about this stuff, right? So slams to the side of a mountain. No survivors. A pathologist close to the investigation reported there was a hole in the top of Brown's skull resembling a gunshot wound. I want to say this about the gunshot wound. It, it maybe it's a red herring, right? It could right. be. It's not important to the story. Some people are like, oh, what? They just shot him in view of 36 other people and jumped off the plane Mission Impossible 2 style. I'm like, maybe. I mean, maybe. it's very possible that yeah. that was exactly what happened. Right. But that's maybe it's a red herring because military investigators later on found that there was no medical fragments and no exit wound. Mm. His head could have been injured in a million other ways. But. That's supposedly after three armed forces pathologists and forensic photographers who tried to blow the whistle on this case had their careers destroyed. So maybe there's something to it. Maybe it's not. I actually don't think there's a lot. I actually don't know. And I don't think it matters because what's important about this case is the pilots flew a course nine degrees off of their correct course. That sounds little, but nine degrees over any period of time adds up. And in this case, it added up to two miles off course, two miles off in which then they slammed into a mountain, in which a mountain just popped up out of nowhere. Like this is the part I don't get like, Oh, we're just somehow get off course. And then we're just like, yeah, it's a mountain there, but like I'm on course, right? I'm listening to my computers. It doesn't make any freaking sense, right? The Air Force called the pilots nearly two mile deviation in Croatia hillside inexplicable. They're like, this doesn't make sense. Like how, this again, how does this happen? Like use right. common sense people like right. you get two miles off course. Don't notice and then just like don't move when there's a mountain in yeah. front of you. You just don't see that one coming. A few days later, the air traffic controller who would have known what the hell was going on with this yes. before he could be investigated by the Air Force killed himself. 
by mm. shooting himself in the chest as one does. As one usually does to make sure it sticks. <sighs> Charles Meisner was also on this plane. He was the second sec- assistant secretary of commerce. He died with Ron Brown. Uh, he was involved in all kinds of scandals, including this guy named John Huang, which we're not going to get into. Yeah. Also, Barbara Wise died on November 29th, 1996. She was a close associate of Ron Brown, and she was discovered dead in her locked office on the fourth floor of the Department of Commerce. She was partially nude and had all kinds of contusions and bruises all over her body. Originally, they couldn't find a cause of death. Eventually, it gets called natural causes. As it usually does. As it does. People die unexplicably. Half people's naked heads in are falling off. As if they were beaten. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Literally. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and this woman just has all these bruises in her life. got no office. food, no jobs. Teenagers' heads are falling off. <laughs> Get eaten by dogs. Ah. Dumb and dumber at its best. <laughs> I love that movie. Victor <laughs> Razor the second. Also died in a plane crash. Uh, him and his son and three others died in a plane crash in Alaska on the 30th of July, 1992 during a fishing trip. And he was also a major player in the Clinton fundraising organization, which again was being stupidly investigated for lots and lots and lots of crimes. So that one make of it what you will, but the Ron Brown, like, can you tell me the Ron Brown one's not weird? No, it's definitely weird. First of all, it starts off weird because they're all like, now we're going to take this plane and you take your plane. You should take that one. Like you guys take that one's right. for you. We're going to yeah. go over here. And then again, just even the wording with the whole thing, like two miles off course, inexplicably they were trying to land and just ran into a mountain as one does. That happens every you know, day. Flying all the time. a plane cl- cut to in the mountainside. <laughs> cut to. As one does. Yeah. Essentially what happened with, with, uh, the Alaska one. Did every? <clears throat> did you say everybody died? No, no. The pilot right. survived, and one other person survived. They had burns and stuff like that. I don't know what to make of it. There's not a ton of information on it. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I'm just pointing it out. There's other ones. In fact, let's talk about this now. There's. You said there's a lot of Clinton bodyguards that were yes. were killed, and yes. we've got like this list. I got a list of uh, a bunch of people: Major William S. Barkley Jr., Captain Scott J. Reynolds, Sergeant Brian Hanley, Sergeant Tim Sable. Major General William Robertson, Colonel William Densberger, Colonel Robert Kelly, Specialist Gary Rhodes, Steve Willis, Robert Williams, Conway LeBlue, and Todd McKeenan. A lot of, lot of bodyguards around the Clintons just dying. A lot dying. of bodyguards. I think in total it was like 28 bodyguards, escorts, and Secret Service people who died under the... While he was while work, Yeah. Yeah, and a bunch of them died in a helicopter crash just conveniently. Like, everybody's in this helicopter. They all happen to be ex-Clinton bodyguards and then just dead. Yeah, four of those all died. And it's inexplicable. Like, there's (sighs) no... Oh, I know. I looked into it. There's, like, no no explanation. Like, some of these, the Victor Razor one, if you look at it, Snopes say, there is an explanation. It was cloudy. That's their explanation. Pilots don't deal with that all the time. Yeah, that's my point, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're like low visibility, so he just crashed into the ground. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm not but, saying accidents don't happen, but when accidents happen continually around people who are involved with the Clintons and no secrets and or are you know going to expose yes. them. Like Yes. I just I look. At a certain point, 
coincidence. Like you, you just don't want them to be coincidences at a certain point. At a certain point, you're right. working overtime, Snopes and others, uh, Politifact, to make sure you don't see the thing in front of you. Yeah. But what were you saying about the bodyguards? Was there anything else? Besides just a bunch of them died. Well, four of them, yeah, in a helicopter, four of them together in Waco, which Waco and Ruby Ridge and even the Oklahoma bombing, possibly. I don't, yeah. Listen, guys. We won't I, jump into that. I know but. someone I want to bring on for the Oklahoma City bombing episode. Sweet. We're going to do it at some point. I'm going to talk about Waco next. There's so much with that in Ruby Ridge. Yeah. There's plenty of things in here I plan on doing on future episodes. Yeah. Um. But let's talk about Waco for me. Unless you had anything else to say about that, just four of the of the of his guys were shot all in the same mm. spot, like all right in the left. Oh, right in Waco style. as they were in raiding Waco. Waco. Yes, they all get shot execution style by David Koresh's people, supposedly yes. as they're being burnt alive, women and children. Right? right. Okay, right. got that it. was it. Yeah, yeah, and that's not fishy at all. No. Well, a lot of people don't think Waco's fishy. Um, so there's a guy named Paul Wilcher who was found dead on a toilet on June 22nd, 1993 in his Washington, D.C. apartment. And like Danny Casalero, who was investigating the 1980 October surprise, which maybe we could cover in a future episode. But yeah, this guy was also reported to be working possibly with Danny Casalero on the Mina Airport, Arkansas investigation as well. So what's interesting is Snopes will say, Oh, well, he was working on something that would expose Reagan. Therefore, Reagan killed him. Like, well, hold on, Snopes. You're okay with pointing conspiratorial fingers at Republican presidents. Yep. Yep. But not Democrat ones. And look, I'm not saying Reagan's not dirty with Iran Contra and all this stuff. My whole point in this episode is they're all part of a crime family. The Clintons included. Yep. But what they leave out in Snopes and another debunkers on this is that he was also investigating Waco and that he had delivered an extensive affidavit with eyewitness testimony on the Waco events to Janet Reno on May 21st, 1993 in this report. And again, the, the timelines are important here because it's like, yes, he's looking into all the stuff with Danny Kessler. He's looking into the 1980 October surprise. He's looking into the octopus theory, right? Of right. like the government having its tentacles everywhere. Yeah. But immediately report before his death, he's sending affidavits to Janet Reno, who I don't know how this guy doesn't realize is a Clinton shill. Yeah. Like, did you not pay attention to Waco and Ruby Ridge? You were paying you attention Janet to Reno everything was else. On your side. Yeah. Jeez. In this report to Attorney General Reno, Welcher said that he was in grave danger and that if the information ha- he had for the Attorney General fell into the wrong hands. There could be people silenced in the very near future. You're one. You're one of them, dude. You handed it to the enemy. You did it. You did it. To, yeah. No, look to you, yourself. Yeah. Okay, I'm, Unfortunately, but he did. Right. So, yeah. like, yes, he could have been killed for a, a various reasons, but he was killed on June 22nd, exactly a month after he gave Janet Reno all the information that Janet Reno would need to, to say, hey, uh, my buddy Bill, can we take this guy out? This guy's a threat. And again, now. we'll cover Waco. We'll cover all of the Patriot uh, Con or whatever they called it in the 90s, where they're like Ruby Ridge, Waco, Oklahoma City bombing, all these yeah. fake tragedies that we're using to like go after right wing militias. It's yep. a whole episode in and of itself. Yep. Um, but we've talked a lot about Bill. Let's talk about Hillary Clinton for mm, a minute. Hillary. She's got her own list. And look, she's involved in all of this. There's there's FBI agents that are like, she was just as involved in everything, including the not just the bimbo squad, but the murders and the cover-ups right. and the crimes and the drugs. She was well, in I was it gonna the say beginning. the fact that she was like the head of the bimbo squad 
to me says that she says was a like, lot. yeah, like that yeah. was not her first rodeo. Yeah. Chick's been involved since the beginning. Anyway. So you're familiar with John F. Kennedy Jr. He probably, people, people probably heard of John F. Kennedy. Rings a bell. Sounds familiar. Some he dude. had a son. He had a son named Junior. And <laughs> in November of 1998, uh, veteran Democrat Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan announced that he would not seek a fifth term uh, two years later. So he's saying, hey, the tw- 2000 election, I'm not going to run. I'm out. So the seats open to another Democrats in New York City. And uh, one of the other names being floated uh, for the seat was John F. Kennedy Jr. When this came out, Hillary Clinton held a White House meeting with her advisors in February of 1999, specifically looking at the Moynihan seat. So you've got two prominent Democrat names, yes. Hillary Clinton and John F. Kennedy Jr. Both and want the same Kennedy. seat yeah. in New York. And this next part, I'll read you from the New York Daily News. It says earlier this year. In one of the best kept secrets in state politics, Kennedy considered seeking the seat of retiring Senator Daniel Moynihan in 2000. Friends confirmed. The idea became moot once First Lady Hillary Rodham Clinton signaled her interest in running, but the two friends said they expected the son of the slain president eventually would have jumped into politics as a candidate. The friend who expected Kennedy to seek office in the foreseeable future also uh, told of speaking with Kennedy earlier this year about the Moynihan seat. I asked him, was he casually thinking about it or was he serious? He was sort of said, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. But the second friend called Kennedy's interest pretty serious, adding, I think he was intrigued by the idea would have been decided in uh, would he have decided in the end to go for it. I don't know, but he was clearly thinking about it. He talked to a few people about it. Then Hillary thing kind of ended it pretty quickly. So a lot of people try to debunk this saying there's no right. way that Hillary killed JFK because he wasn't going to run for the seat, but all the people close to him are like, well, he, he, he might. He, he and if he doesn't, to. he's definitely running in the future. Right. For president, by yes. the way. Right. And uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. By name alone in the Democratic right. Party Chewing. will always <laughs> have a better chance of winning a Democrat election than a Hillary Rodham Clinton during the Monica Lewinsky thing, right? Exactly. Yes. He died in a light aircraft that he was flying that crashed in the Atlantic Ocean just off of Martha's Vineyard on July 16th, 1999. And then Hillary won the 2000 race without even living in New York. Goodness. Uh, And because Bill Clinton's uh, presidential term did not end until 17 days after she was sworn in as a senator, Clinton became the first and only first lady to serve as a senator and a first lady consecutively. Isn't she special? Yeah. Wins, wins a seat in New York after her opponent dies. Yeah. And without ever living there. Without ever living there. Gosh, so that's geez, not messed so up. Cause you know, the whole point of a senator is to like represent your district that you don't live in. The that people you don't that you know don't live near or no. Yeah. 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 Uh, I gotta love it. So Seth rich is another one. This one's the name everybody wants to talk about. Seth Rich was a young DNC staffer who was shot twice in the back on July 10th of 2016 at 420 a.m. in Bloomingdale neighborhood of Washington, D.C., which is a more upper scale neighborhood. So some people are like, "Eh, it's not really a place to see a lot of crime, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) They (laughs) two weeks later on July 22nd, WikiLeaks dumped a load of hacked emails and they showed that the DNC was rigging the primaries for Hillary and against Bernie Sanders. 
And surprise, then, surprise. yeah, exactly. Like everybody talk about corrupt, like open corruption, like yeah. nobody before and especially after yeah. the DNC leak was like, huh? Bernie Sanders won uh, Vermont by 80% and yet the super delegates gave him all the votes. Like this really, did anybody remember this? He yeah. won his home state like 80% to 20%, like a landslide margins. Yeah, no he question. got the, I don't know what you call it, Let's just say four normal delegates or, mm -hmm. or whatever. And she got 200 super delegates. Like it was obviously rigged against Bernie Sanders. Yeah. But then the emails come out and it's like the DNC is all like pretty openly saying like Bernie is, we're not gonna allow Bernie to win this one. This is Hillary's time. Hashtag I'm with her, the whole deal. WikiLeaks uh, Julian Assange then is asked uh, about Seth Rich or actually he's not. He's not even asked about Seth Rich. He's asked about something else and he kind of just says it without saying it that Seth Rich was the guy who leaked the DNC emails and you know what? I, you don't have to take my word for it. I'm going to play Julian Assange's clip and you tell me if he's saying what I think he's saying. Uh our whistleblowers go to significant efforts to get us material and often very significant risks. As a 27-year-old that works for the DNC, who was shot in the back, murdered uh, just two weeks ago uh, for un unknown reasons as he was walking down the street in Washington. So that was, that was just a robbery, I believe, wasn't it? No, it's, there's no finding. So uh, what that's are you the suggesting? sort of... What are you suggesting? I'm suggesting that our sources... Uh, take risks, and they are—they become concerned uh, to see things occurring uh, like that. But was he one uh, of your sources then? I mean, we don't comment on who our sources but are. Why but why make the suggestion about this? Is the thing? Sorry, I'm going to go back just a, a hair. You can see this little bump in the timeline here where people rewatch a bunch of times. <coughs> yeah, a lot of people point this out when he asks him if he's his source. Before answering, he nods. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Occurring. Uh, like that, but was he one uh, of your sources then? I mean, we don't comment on who our sources but are. Why but why make the suggestion oh, about a young guy being shot we, in the streets of Washington? Because uh, we have to understand. Listen, listen how hostile the reporter is. It's like, how dare you, the guy yes. who received the leak from someone, suggest that you know who the someone is? <laughs> kind of insane. Like the response should be very, very different. Yes. Being like, oh wait, you're the guy. You would know. Instead of like, how dare you say that it's the oh. guy that gave you the, the leaks? And it was just a robbery. Like he's it's just a robbery. Very. Oh my yeah, gosh. So forceful. Right it's so yeah. forceful. And uh, how high the stakes are uh, in the United States and that our sources are, you know, our sources face serious risks. Uh, that's why they come to us so we can protect uh, their anonymity. Uh, but it's quite and, something to suggest and, a murder. That's basically what you're doing. Well, that others have have suggested that uh, we are investigating to understand uh, what happened uh, in that situation with Seth Rich. I think it is. If you understand what I'm saying about Seth Rich, he names him. Rather, I mean, yeah. you guys tell me, am I reaching? It, it, he's saying, essentially, I'm going to protect you, which is why I'm not going to say that's who it is. But he's dead now. So I'm going to say that's who it is. Like, right. And I just to, to, stretch. to further the point, Julian Assange then offered $20,000 for information leading to the arrest of the person who killed Seth Rich. Seems like an unnecessary invest investment if he's right. not your source. If, um, yeah. Also, sources in the FBI leaked uh, information to Fox News that proved that Seth Rich was the leaker. 
The FBI later denied these allegations and Seth Rich's parents tried to sue Fox News unsuccessfully, which is the key word here, because if Fox News goes out there and says 96 hours after Seth Rich was dead, uh, FBI informant looked at his computer and said, we found that he leaked this stuff to Julian Assange and they report this and it's libel and it's slander and it's not true. That's an easy lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't win that lawsuit. But they didn't win it. Uh, I think so, it speaks for itself. Uh, but the FBI denies this, right? Like they, oh, it was Russian. It was all Russia. It was Russia, Russia, Russia. I remember, they were hundred percent truthful with uh, Russiagate. Yeah. They didn't lie to us at all about any of the Russian collusion, Donald Trump stuff. It doesn't Definitely matter that not. Hillary Clinton paid a British spy to go to Russia to make up lies about Donald Trump peeing on prostitutes. <laughs> Th- that's fine, right? Uh, Russia, 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 Russia. Please look over anything, here, but they still push this stupid conspiracy theory. Yes. Uh, so can the FBI be trusted? I think that's an obvious answer, but I want to read this article from the, the Hill anyway about, about the FBI and, and Hillary Clinton because uh, it's interesting. So I guess it's interesting who it comes from. It's not like some right wing conspiratorial. Yeah. So, so ex FBI official Clinton's are a crime family. This came out uh, just shortly after Seth Rich's death on uh, October 30th of 2016. It says a former FBI official said Sunday that Bill and Hillary Clinton are part of a crime family and argued top officials hindered the investigation into Hillary Clinton's private email server while she was secretary of state during a radio interview with John Castamatidis, former assistant FBI director, James Kallstrom heaped praise on Republican presidential nominee, Donald Trump before taking aim at the Clintons. So they keep doing this in the article. Like, he likes Trump. Therefore, right. he's lying. Um, yeah. So they're talking about the Mossads, and he says, well, the Clintons, that's a crime family, basically. <laughs> it's like <laughs> organized crime. I mean, the Clinton Foundation is a cesspool. Kallstrom, best yes. known for leading the investigation of the explosion of TWA Flight 800 in the late 90s, said that Hillary Clinton, the Democratic presidential nominee, was a pathological liar. No. Hot sauce. <laughs> Uh, he also blasted Attorney General Loretta Lynch, claiming that she impeded the investigation to Clinton's private server. The problem here is that the investigation was never a real investigation. He said, that's the problem. Yeah. They never had a grand jury impaneled, and the reason they never had a grand jury impaneled, I'm sure, is Loretta Lynch would not go along with it. God forbid we put someone like that in the White House, he added of Clinton. Kallstrom also said the FBI Director James Comey and the rest of the FBI leadership were responsible for holding back the investigation not the rest of the bureau. The agents are furious with what's going on. I know that for a fact. I get sick of that talking point, to be honest. Oh, the FBI agents are <laughs> sick of a organization that's been corrupt since Hoover. Yeah. And one day they'll do something ab- about it. Someday they'll Whatever. hit their limit. Yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know, man. At some point you're all, you're all culpable. I'm yeah. just saying. I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the left spins this one about James Comey. He he ruined uh, Hillary Clinton by not putting her away for obvious crimes and whatever. Anyway, the whole thing is if 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 I can't convince you at this point that the FBI was shilling for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Before I don't know what sense, more you could say. <laughs> but he talks about Loretta Lynch there, and that leads yes. me to want to talk about this reporter, um, Christopher Sign. And I know you mm-hmm. looked into this a little bit. What's your thoughts on should we just read the article first and then talk yeah, about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Let's a very long that. article. This comes from no. the Gazette. It's a reporter who broke story on Clinton Lynch tarmac meeting found dead. 
The journalist who broke the story about the controversial tarmac meeting between former President Bill Clinton and then Attorney General Loretta Lynch was found dead Saturday morning, according to police. Maybe people don't remember this. So Bill Clinton met on a tarmac with Loretta Lynch. In her uh, private jet? It, no, on his private jet, oh, I his private think. Jet. Okay. Who was the Attorney General at the time uh, for, for Obama. And basically, she's being investigated. by the FBI at this time, by the Justice Department. And then they have this private meeting and they try to play it off. as like, we're just talking about grandkids and stuff like that. And nothing nefarious went on there. She should have recused herself. Didn't anyway. Um, Where was I at in this article? The body of 45 year old. The body of 45 year old Christopher Sina, news anchor for ABC 33 slash 40 in Birmingham was discovered by Hoover police and fire personnel at around 8 a.m. following a 911 call about the person down about a person down the residence in Alabama. Hoover police Lieutenant Keith something <laughs> said signs death is being investigated as a suicide. Our deepest sympathies shared with Christopher's loving family and close friends. We have lost a revered colleague whose indelible imprint will serve uh, forever as a hallmark of decency, honesty, and journalism, blah, blah, blah. Sign play. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> Sign, oh, I guess I got to read this art of oh, this part. Sign played football oh, yeah. at the University of Alabama, became Emmy Award winning reporter, earned national headlines when he revealed an encounter between Lynch and Clinton on June 27th, 2016 at the Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport at a time when the FBI was investigating former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's use of an unauthorized email server in the presidential election in which she was the Democratic candidate. The meeting took place days before the FBI director James Comey announced that the Bureau would not recommend charges against Hillary Clinton. No quid, quo, no quid pro quo there. No, right? None. For her emails, which any other person ever would have been slaughtered for. for? Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, yeah. look, look. There's a freaking um, young person in the Navy who took a selfie in a submarine and right. got prison, like got Leavenworth time, right? Yes. But having a secret email server with d- classified documents that people are hacking, that's fine. It's fine. Not a big deal. Uh, Lynch said in uh, July 1st, 2016 interview that she would not recuse herself from the Clinton email investigation, but that she would accept the recommendation of the career agents and prosecutors who conducted it. Uh, Both Clinton and Lynch claimed the email investigation was brought up during their claim. The email investigation was not brought up during their chat. Sure. (laughs) But sign who is morning uh, anchor at the Phoenix area, ABC when the first reporter or when he first reported the encounter said that there was more to the story that wrote a book about it called secret on the tarmac. The book details everything that they don't want you to know and everything they think you forgot. But Bill Clinton was on that plane for 20 minutes and it wasn't just about golf, grandkids and Brexit. Um, there's much more that doesn't add up. Justice department inspector general Michael Horowitz examined the tarmac meeting as part of a review of the FBI email investigation and report released in June 2018. Horowitz said Clinton was in Phoenix for several campaign events, including a roundtable discussion uh, with Latino leaders in a campaign, blah, 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 blah. Sign told Fox News. Guy. Yeah. Sign told Fox News in 2020, his family received numerous death threats since he broke the story about the meeting at led up to the 2016 election. Quote, my family received significant death threats shortly after breaking the story. Sign said in the time credit cards hacked, you know, my children, we have code words. We have secret code words and they know what to do. So the, the obvious question here is like this happened in what? 2021. Yes. That he was, that he died. I thought he committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah. And he broke the story. Yeah. It was June, 2021. And he broke the story in 2016 and then wrote a book about it. Yeah. Why did they wait? 
if if this is a Clinton killing, like yeah. why why did they wait? You want to hear my theory? Yeah, I do want to hear your theory. That's okay. what I was asking. Okay. Um, I think the thing is, nothing that he necessarily here, at least from what I could see with what he found out or what he exposed, was super damning. It wasn't Obviously good. It wasn't. Obviously not. It wasn't good, and it didn't put them in a good light. But I think it's more of a message than anything else. Like, he I got have, everything out. Yeah. And then it's like, people may or may not have forgotten what you did, but don't it's mess It's not with like he knew what was actually said on the plane. That's no. the thing, right? He's yes. like, here's why it's wrong. Here's yeah. why it's suspicious. Yep. Here's how long it was they were on the plane. Here's yep. why I think this, that, and the other. Here's well, they met on the plane and then this happened and quid pro quo seems pretty obvious here. But let's yeah. be honest. It's not like there was a wiretap on the plane. Like he no. had nothing super damning. I think this was no. revenge. I don't think like, I don't think there was a uh, look by the time the story's out, the story's out. Yeah. He didn't have anything more than the story when the day it came out. I know he wrote a no. book. Everybody writes a freaking book. Yeah. I think if they, I think they did probably kill him. I think it was revenge. And I don't think that there was any uh, rush to shut someone up like this because he didn't have anything. Agreed. Agreed. He just didn't like he he pissed them off. Probably yeah. got him killed. Yeah. But like after the story's out, what else did he have? Nothing. He Not have enough anything. to put your to put uh, you know to put something on the line. Like when you kill somebody, there's always the possibility you'll get caught, right? Yeah. You gotta like weigh risk and reward. Is there a good True. risk and reward for Christopher Sign in 2016, or is it better just like wait till it calms down and then like send a message, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. That's what I think happened. I agree Me with you too. on that. Yeah. We got the last one. Uh, this one nobody's ever heard of. Um, a guy named Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein. Mm, are you sure you're saying that right? I don't know. Yeah, Je- Jeff. Good old Jeffy boy. Jeffy. Hefe. Jeffy. Jeffy Epstein. Uh, <laughs> definitely hanged himself at the Metropolitan Cor- Correctional Center in Manhattan in, on August. In August 2019, while awaiting trial on new charges of trafficking teenage girls. Remember guys, this is not the first time he was charged and convicted with trafficking teenage girls. The last right. time they just gave him a slap on the wrist. Right, like, Aw, that don't. was, yeah. And then people still continue to associate with this guy for a decade after that. Yeah. So the New York times says, quote, the financier and sex trafficker, Jeffrey Epstein told his psychologist, he was too much of a coward to even kill himself two weeks before he was found dead in his jail cell in a death that was ruled a suicide. This is my favorite part of the New York Times article. The act was so convinced. So they're talking about how he's acting like he's not suicidal, right? And they say the act is so ah. convincing, right? The mm. act is so convincing to jail and federal officials that the newspaper reported that complacency set in and mistakes were made, allowing Epstein to kill himself despite being considered a suicide risk. Gotta love the New York Times. Bravo. Well, it's done. like, look, yeah, he said he would never kill himself because he was a coward, but he was just acting. So he could kill himself. Snopes could take some stu- lessons here, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. just wait. Just wait till you see what, hear what the Daily Beast wrote about this. Ooh. So what really happened? Like, let's talk about what really happened. So on, Ju- on July 23rd, Jeffrey Epstein was found in his cell, unresponsive, with injuries around his neck, and according to the official report, he hanged himself. Epstein denied that he'd ever attempted suicide the first time July 23rd, right? Because this is yep. that what I'm talking about is the first time what got him put on suicide watch right. July 23rd. They find him with marks around his neck and they say he tried to kill himself. He's like, I wouldn't do that. He said he didn't like this is where we benefit from seeing him still be alive, right? As he can tell us, he's like, I didn't <laughs> try to kill myself. My right. roommate tried to kill me. Yeah. Um, 
He says, and he says he was beaten halfway to death by his cellmate, a former police officer named Nicholas uh, Tatragolion. Wow, I love the name here. The prison officials claim that Mr. T, I'll call him because I can't <laughs> say anything, that Mr. T was cleared of any wrongdoing in the July 23rd incident through an internal investigation. But if they did conduct an internal investigation, it couldn't have been particularly thorough because even Mr. T said, quote, I have not been questioned by any law enforcement officials since July 23rd. So this guy in his cell almost strangled, beaten to death. His cellmate, right? The guy strangled says my cellmate tried to kill me. The cellmate says, no, I didn't. Nope. Good. End of story. End of investigation. We're cool. We're clear here. He's obviously telling the truth. <laughs> He's obviously telling the truth. He was then. Uh, so, so later on Epstein was taken off of suicide watch and his cellmate was moved. Cause again, you have to have a cellmate watching you terrible sheets, the whole like terrible as in like, not all, they're probably awful, but like terrible. they were, you can't tang yourself. Yes. Both are both. Yes. <laughs> so on August 9th, he's taken off a of suicide watch. His cellmate is moved. It's not normal. And yep. then there were orders. There were still orders at this time to keep camera surveillance on him at all times and to check on him every 30 minutes and to never leave him alone in his cell for even a second. Remember, doesn't matter. This guy's a complete dirt bag. You want no. this guy alive to yes. testify on all the other people. This yes. is something people forget. And I remember this very specifically is there were stories that came out on August 9th saying Epstein finally agreed to start naming names mm. and a a meme started going around the internet on August 9th saying Epstein didn't kill himself, right? Like that meme hashtag started the day before he killed himself because everybody saw it was coming because hey. we all were familiar with the Clinton kill list and, and we'll get into Bill's relationship with him in a second, but like everybody knew it was going to happen, right? <laughs> yes. Everybody. Exactly. I shared this meme before he was dead. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, well, there's his death sentence. There's his death sentence, right? Right there. So you want the guy alive, like, yes, yeah. you want the guy to die, but you want him to name the names before before he dies, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> supposed to check on him every thirty minutes. Never, never supposed to leave him alone, even for a second. But on the night he died, every single one of those rules was broken. Allegedly, both guards fell asleep and didn't bother checking on him for over three hours, and then they falsified the logs to claim they had been checking on him, and. Both security cameras malfunctioned at the same time. Come on. Right before he kills himself. Yep. Like, I read ah. all the Snopes on this too. Like, coincidence, like, really coincidence? Like, all the stars <sighs> aligned. And this yeah. guy that the bad guys wanted dead, if you will, to put it really simply. It just so happened to work Any, in their favor. Anybody else remember Alex Jones talking about Jeffrey Epstein for a decade? And yeah. this is funny, guys, but this one thing I can't prove to you, but like there was like top 10 videos like watchmojo.com, 10 craziest things Alex Jones ever said and stuff like that. You can't find them anymore. At least I can't. No. That were like he used to claim that Jeffrey Epstein was a pedophile that had an island that Bill Clinton went and stayed on. And it was like they took the video down after this all came out. But for a long time, people like myself were listening to people like Alex Jones and seeing the evidence that he had and seeing the 2009, I think, trial where a 15 year old girl, he was paying to massage him while he was naked and play with his egg shaped penis like this all came out. Got like 11 months of like community service, like uh, everybody freaking knew that wanted to look into it. Yeah. 
Where was I going with this? Like, I don't know. It's just obvious. It's just obvious. It's just it's, my point is you remember when that was a conspiracy theory, right? right? That Jeffrey yeah. Epstein had a pedophile island like you crazy nuts. Yeah. And now it's like it's a conspiracy theory that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself despite the fact that everything that him. we thought about him before yeah. ended up being true and that all the politicians and all the news anchors and all the Hollywood people were like going and, you know, uh, raping children on his island. Like that's true. Fine. And one time the conspiracy theorists were right, but like you're crazy to think that powerful people who are paying him to bang kids and he was videotaping them. We know this and the videotapes were taken by the SWAT team. We know this yeah. like that guy would be killed by powerful people. Yeah. Crazy conspiracy theorists. Listen, they're going to go to this island and do horrible, horrific things, but they wouldn't kill him. That's what, but this is the whole point of I the know. whole episode, right? Is they like continually over and over and over again. Yeah. Bill Clinton would bang women and pay them to shut up and r- smuggle drugs. And yes, it, uh, it, all this pay a corner to cover up the death of children killed by the cartel, but he wouldn't kill people, but he wouldn't kill people. Like, come on, you guys, come on. Let's also talk about this. It was physically impossible that he hung himself like Steven Crowder proved this, but other people have said this like there's an ex inmate that said, quote, no way that he killed himself, right? Like this could have this could could this have been done from the bed? No, sir. There's a steel frame, but you can't move it. There's no light fixture. There's no bars. They don't have uh, they don't give you enough in there that you could successfully create an instrument of death. And the way they say he hung himself is that he had, it's not like he had a top bunk to hang himself from. He like tied his neck to a bed frame and then leaned forward. Doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. You would have fallen over. Like, even if you pass out, you fall over. Like the you slack would have been. You couldn't maintain that. Yes. The slack. It's not a thing. No one's no. ever killed himself this way ever. And in fact, statistics bear this out because in 21 years at this prison, only one person has ever successfully killed himself before Epstein in the course of 21 years. Wow. Cause it's not like you don't think people try to kill themselves in prison every no single day. I have friends who are prison guards. Yeah. The, the, the attempts are common, right? The success in a place like this one in 21 years. Wow. But Epstein's the exception. Yes. Well, of course. So here's another interesting tidbit. Epstein's death was reported on 4chan before it made the news. I didn't know this at 8 16 AM, just a little over an hour after Epstein was found dead in his cell. The first post about his death broke out on 4chan and it said, quote, the title was Jeffrey Epstein dead quote. Don't ask me how I know, but Epstein died an hour ago from hanging and cardiac arrest. This was 38 minutes before the news reported it. Just a weird little tidbit in there. Yeah. Just another uh, weird coincidence to chalk up to coincidence. Last week, two weeks ago, we did an episode on um, Matthew Perry and we talked about Michael Baden. Michael Baden was hired by Jeffrey Epstein's brother, Mike. I think his name's Mike as well. I have I it in my notes. So. Mark, Mark, nope, Mark Epstein. Mark. And uh, basically when they took Epstein's body out, he noticed that there was bruises all over him and like ligature marks, uh, marks on his wrists. Hmm. And he's like, eh, it looks like someone was handcuffed and killed. Right. Um, so he hired uh, Michael Baden to do an autopsy for Michael Baden looked at the autopsy. He refused to comment on it to the media for a long time until other people started leaking the autopsy. And yeah. then he finally talks to the press and he says, from what I'd seen, Epstein's injuries were more consistent with murder. He points to the fracture, uh, fractured hyoid bone in Epstein's neck. And he says, yeah. this is extremely unusual in suicide. In fact, I've watched the, 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 the interviews. He's like, this just does not happen in suicides like this is someone who was strangled to death by another stronger human being. Yep. Like you don't break that bone from hanging from a ceiling and he didn't hang from a ceiling. He didn't 
die from hanging. No, here's the thing. Even the official story, he did yeah. not die from hanging. He died right. from asphyxiation. Right. So what they're saying is, well, he could have broken the bone when he, you know, like a drop from a hangman's thing. That didn't happen. That's not the official story here, folks. He asphyxiated himself, yet he broke a hyoid bone and had ligature marks on his wrists. And bru- My point is everybody knows that Epstein didn't kill yeah. himself. I just thought if you didn't know the facts of the case, might as well talk about him here because we never yeah. covered it. But was it Clinton? This comes back to the same thing we talked about with Danny Castellaro and others. Yeah. Was it was it Clinton, right? Right. Court subpoenaed uh, documents prove that Jeffrey Epstein's personal flight logs show Bill Clinton flying on his plane 27 times. This was known. This is known. I knew this years ago because Alex Jones got these documents and exposed it long time ago, but people pretend like this is new information. Um, Epstein's victim, Virginia Roberts told judges during her court proceedings that Epstein had several prominent clients quote towards the end of the testimony. This comes from a book about Mm. this says uh, from the end of the testimony. He asked her about the former president, Bill Clinton. She says that there were, uh, sexual conduct and foreplay that was and that there was a bet on Epstein's jet. She goes on to say that while they did uh, what they did when um, sorry, she goes on to say what they did and then her attorney asks her when they say here what you when they say here, what do you mean? She placed former President Clinton on the island where Jeffrey Epstein had his residence and then the attorney asks her were all of you staying at Jeffrey Epstein's house on the island, including Bill Clinton? And she responds, that is correct. So we have a yes. trusted witness victim of Epstein. Yeah. Say, like my point is everybody knows Bill Clinton was there. The evidence is there. Yes. Yet Snopes, who is, will continually tell you, PolitiFact yeah. continually tell you he was not raping kids. In fact, we talked about the, the Netflix. Did you ever watch the Netflix documentary? No. It's awful because it's so damn biased, but like Mm. there's this whole part where they're like, here's the plane. Here's the camera. Here's the bed. The only reason to bring people on the plane was to film them having sex with young girls and then to bribe them. And they go through this whole thing like this is absolutely 100% definitely what Epstein was doing. And then they say, but Bill Clinton, like literally the next sentence, but Bill Clinton didn't do that. (laughs) Watch. I watch the Netflix documentary guys. It's insane. They literally go from that one sentence about Bill Clinton, but he he didn't, but he, didn't. he didn't do that. But Donald Trump met him in a club once, and therefore he did. Yes. And look, I'm yes. not saying Trump's innocent. I don't know. No, but, but to, you do know that Clinton is innocent is insane. But you do insane. know he was on the plane 27 times. That's my point. But hold on. The Daily Beast has an answer for us, guys. Oh, good. What attracted Clinton to Epstein? Because because the, the Daily Beast goes through Ep- Clinton leaves the White House immediately starts hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein a lot going on his plane a lot with Chris rock or Chris Tucker. I think Chris Tucker and Kevin Spacey and Bill Clinton were on this plane over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But what the daily beast says is what attracted Clinton to the to Epstein was quite simply this. He had a plane. Their whole case, the daily beast is well, Bill Clinton needed to get to Asia to speak for $500,000 at a time. So the only thing he could have done as one of the richest men in the world and former president of the United States was to fly with Jeffrey Epstein. Like there's, there's no, there's no other way. There's no other private planes. There's not commercial. There's not first class. Like he had to (laughs) fly with Epstein. Like that's the daily beasts defense of the 27. They're like, well, he just needed a plane and Jeffrey Epstein had one. So everybody else on Epstein's plane was definitely stupid kids getting filmed, getting bribed. 
But Bill Clinton didn't. He didn't. He was there. He just kind of went like this, got the ride <laughs> that he needed 27 times, and then it was fine. It was fine. I, don't think that, I don't think that the Clintons personally had Epstein killed probably. Maybe. I don't know. My point is I it know. doesn't matter. He, there's doesn't so many people matter. that wanted him. The cabal wanted him dead. Yeah. They could have all worked together. You don't think that like... The, right. All the people are like, can we, can we, you know, of rich people, can we collectively get, get a hitman inside of a prison? Right. Yes. Yes. I think can we, we bribe can. a couple of guards to fall asleep and turn some cameras off? Seems like we can. I think we it can. doesn't matter who paid it. Like Bill Clinton's guilty as sin for all kinds of reasons. Absolutely. Maybe he's the guy who paid the guy. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But does it matter? It doesn't. They, I think you're right. But the defense right. of Clinton all... doesn't matter. We, we like, right. we know I tons agree. of people. They all are guilty of, of banging kids. Yeah. Right. Let's yep. let's admit that someone that can rape children could probably pay a hitman. Probably. The fact that um, <clears throat> Epstein had. Oh, I lost my train of thought. I People are making fun. That. Sorry. People are making fun of me for that, saying stooping. I'm saying that on purpose because lately on Twitter, I've been getting called a Jewish Zionist shill, which is hilarious because <laughs> I'm 100 percent ethnically German. And I, yes. and I get called as a Jewish, I get called Jewish a lot. So I'm like, I might as well just start speaking in Yiddish for you guys. Just like, you might as well, might as well just go for the whole thing <laughs> because going. I think the Rothschilds are the Rothschilds and should be held for the bad things that they do and that other people shouldn't. I'm a Jewish Zionist shill You're or some Jewish shit, somehow. I guess. Gotcha. I'm yeah. just a really bad German. Meshuggah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, I don't know what my point was, but it was just I'm to say sorry. that all of this. No, it, no. I was just adding to the same. Like, it's all just ridiculous. All these people who didn't want this sh- stuff to come out. Yeah, they all had plenty of motive. Clinton was one of them who had motive. It really doesn't matter who pulled the trigger, if you will, in the end. Again, it's I'm okay. If sure. It's, Re- it's okay if Reagan did it. If Reagan did it, it would have been just fine. Then, then the conspiracies, can, we can all of a sudden believe in conspiracies. Here's the thing. Yes. The mainstream media, a.k.a. the left, right. <laughs> likes to pretend that they don't believe in conspiracy theories. Unless. But they do. Everybody yeah. does. In <laughs> fact, there was a whole study on this. There's a whole book. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but... I read this whole thing about like the, the phenomena around conspiracies and how everybody believes in them. It doesn't matter what your class is. It doesn't matter what political party you're for. Everybody across the board believes in conspiracies equally. It just depends on which ones right. you believe in. We yeah. saw the whole Russia, Russia, Russia collusion narrative forever. Yes. Like we've seen the January 6th stuff that, you know, Donald Trump winked and nodded and, and made people storm the Capitol and right. essentially looked like a tour. Yeah. My point is they're not any different than anybody else in believing conspiracies. They're just shilling for the people that they're shilling for. That's right. Exactly. And yeah, you know, a rose bay of any other name and all that jazz. All just- that jazz. I got an honorable mention and then we'll, we'll, we'll yep. say a few more things before we head over and just speak with the people in chat and on rumble and stuff yeah, like that, which I've totally not ignored. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. So honorable, I don't know. Is honorable mentions the wrong <laughs> I don't think anything about this is like (laughs) I'm so canceled anyway. I'm so canceled anyway. Honorable mentions. James Bunch. Bunch. I really waited. I thought you said James Bond and I was like, no. Sorry. Yeah, he he killed Ian Fleming. Uh, Honorable mentions. (laughs) We're just going to go with it because it's offensive. Do it. James Bunch was an influential Texan who died from an apparent suicide by gunshot 
It was reported that he held a black book of people containing the names of influential people who visited prostitutes in Texas and Arkansas. This one was also just conveniently left off of Snopes list of all the 47 that they were definitely covering, except the ones that were inconvenient. I don't know. It's just honorable because like, like, look, this guy was going around literally. I'm sure there was two. two, I'm sure he was getting something out of this besides just investigating prostitutes. Uh, <laughs> a happy ending after his investigation, maybe. Anyway, it's, it's it's an interrogation with a happy ending, right? <laughs> but he's going around collecting, talking to prostitutes in Texas and Arkansas, going like, "Who'd you sleep with?" It's like, "Oh, Bill Clinton." Right. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. So that one was interesting. Say. And then Paula Grover's like maybe not that interesting, except for one part of it. So Paula Grover was Bill Clinton's speech interpreter for the deaf in 1978 yeah. until her death on uh, December of 1992. So there's some deaths that happened seem to coincide with right when Bill Clinton is shifting into the White House. Right. Yeah. Uh, people that he's not going to take with him as part of Travelgate and right. maybe just going to end up dead. Right. She died in a one car accident with no known witnesses and her body was thrown 33 feet from the car indicating a very high speed. The only reason I'm even bringing this up besides yeah. like, it just sounds like a transition team murder possibly. And maybe it wasn't right. It's like, why if you get thrown from a car and a reporter writes about it, they're probably going to write like it was approximately 30 feet, 35 feet, 40 feet. Right. Like what are you measuring from the tip of the toe to the tip of the bumper? How do you like exact yeah. numbers are weird yeah. and guys, I'm not crazy, but like, maybe I am, but like I've been noticing a lot over the last year that articles will write 33, even when like 33% of people believe this 33 feet, 33 people, this, and if you read them, you'll find out that it's not true. They're just including 33. Yeah. When it's like not it's even relevant. Time. Like it's mm-hmm. a call sign. So like yeah. the only reason I bring it up is 33, the, the, the grand mate, the Freemasonic number, their holy mm-hmm. number showing up in the headlines of every article, not being disputed. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just weird to me. I, it's just weird. It's like, the, it's like, is this a wink, wink kind of like, just so you know. Yeah. It does. The, the cabal did this. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't seem obvious, but we'll make it more. Cause so. who writes an exact number in like a, something that's obvious. It just seems like you'd round. Yeah. Yeah. 30. 35, 40, 33 is really odd. It's just odd. Like, I, like for instance, I was looking at a poll that happened a few weeks ago and it was live. So like a, a news article wrote the poll has this at 33% right now. And I'm like, yeah, but like by the time I checked the poll, it's at 50%. So like right. you had to like pause and like write the article right when it was at 33%. My point is, it's just like, it feels like a calling card. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy guys. Pay attention. That's but, all I'll say. Just pay attention. But maybe you guys don't think I'm crazy. Maybe you guys uh, also like Christmas and we're going to the holiday season. And maybe you want to be a little bit crazy with me and show your family at dinner that <laughs> you are a little bit nuts. Or maybe you just want to start some really wholesome, good, healthy conversations around <laughs> Christmas. So you'll want to go to hawkonmedia.com slash conspiracy and you'll want to pick up one of our ugly Christmas sweaters. And we've got the one that I'm wearing with Hillary Clinton on it, it says making a list, checking it twice. Um, we've got this wonderful one that would, again, to start just fascinating in-depth neutral, uh, conversations with your family. Just, you know, no fights. Very neutral. All I want for Christmas is Epstein's client list. Uh, here's another one that definitely won't piss off your, your family. Nine 11 was an inside job on your <laughs> Christmas sweater. Uh, if you want to be subtle, <laughs> we got, and we've got this funny one. It's a, it's a platypus being abducted by UFOs is abducted for Christmas. And my probably personal favorite is the Alex Jones. They're turning the freaking Yuletide game. <laughs> Do you understand that? 
Very good. Uh, we've added, we've added more t-shirts. We've added wrapping papers and stuff like that from now until Monday. We are having a sale, a Black Friday weekend sale. So you can go to hawkcommedia.com slash conspiracy and use code Black Friday to get 20% off anything there. You can also go to hawkcommedia.com and get stuff from Elise's show, Quirks of Creation. That code will also work Black Friday uh, for the next, I don't know, five days or whatever. Um, But maybe that's not enough to get you guys in the Christmas spirit. Maybe you guys need some good, wholesome Christmas music to share with your family. So we went out of our way here at Conspiracy Pill to make a Conspiracy Pill Christmas original for you guys called Hillary Clinton is coming to town. Uh, this will be we'll release it. It's its own video this week, but you guys get to see it first here on the live stream and listen to this if you listen to the podcast tomorrow. Uh, so enjoy. Hillary Clinton is coming to town. You better watch out. You should have thought twice Your brakes have been cut So you better not drive Hillary Clinton's coming to town She's making a list She's checking it twice Don't want to know if you're naughty or nice Hillary Clinton's coming to town She sees you when you're snitching the cause of your own demise. Hillary Clinton's coming to town. You better watch out. You better not spy. They'll say you shot the back of your own head twice. So there you guys go. <laughs> uh, share that with your family. If you want to, again, have great conversations around Christmas and Thanksgiving. Um, my wife is mad at me for this song a little bit, not because she disagrees with it, but because I played it so much when I was editing the the videos and <laughs> stuff into there, finding clips of yeah. Hillary Clinton for it, that my kids now sing Santa Claus is coming to town with those lyrics. So that they are going around the house singing Hillary Clinton's coming to town. <laughs> That's awesome. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Uh, All right. We're going to head over to Rumble here in just a minute. But if you guys are listening to this, again, you can catch the full show live every Wednesday night at 7.03 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, You can listen to the full episode if you want to get the the part where we just kind of talk with the audience and and go through memes and stuff like that. If you come over to conspiracypill.locals.com, if you're an audio-only person, it'll be there in its full audio glory. Uh, But first, I promise you guys, every time you guys send us a five-star review, we will read it on the show. We got two tonight. We got one from... Armac 1991 that says if being unhinged is wrong, I don't want to be right. 
PJ and Abby do a fantastic job of sharing an informative and entertaining show. I always look forward to the Bible studies, which are always thought provoking. The discussion on the business plot was 100% spot on. So thank you, RMAC1991. Appreciate that. Then we have Energimatrix 6, who I think is in the chat tonight. And he says, yeah. if there can only be one, Conspiracy Pilled is doing uh, Conspiracy Pill is the only podcast I listen to now. I used to listen to between 10 and 30 hours of podcasts every single week from Joe Rogan to Jordan Peterson and Robert uh, Breedlove to Dave Ramsey. I listened far and wide. Then I wrote a book and life got busy. Now I only have time for one podcast per week and I show up to watch it live every chance I get. The folks in the Rumble chat are the best. If I only have time for one, I choose Conspiracy Pill with PJ and Abby, and you should too. Thank you so much, by the way. You guys are awesome. Appreciate the five-star reviews. They really help out. Uh, we laugh at the one-star reviews, but the five-star reviews really help us to uh, get this podcast out to more and more people. So uh, appreciate you guys. Go check out Quirks of Creation, which streams Friday nights at 7 o'clock. Friday. Yeah. You want to tell people about that and where they can find your stuff? Yeah. So every Friday night, 7 o'clock, we do the same. We do like a live show where you can hang out with us on Rumble and do the chat, which is super awesome. We love our audience and engaging with them as we're doing this. And basically, it's me and my co-host, Jess, and we talk about science and history and how it kind of relates to all the quirkiness of God and his creation. And um, we get, you know, sometimes it's quirky, sometimes it's quacky. We laugh a lot, too. So if you don't like that, I guess that's a, <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> and uh, it's it's good stuff. If you're it is fun. Not, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I like it. <laughs> I've gotten to be on the show a few times and it was, yeah. it was fun. So, Yay. all right. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, if you're here watching us live, stick around. We're going to be chatting with the audience, reading your questions, uh, especially if you get in rumble rants and stuff like that. Make sure to get to them. Check out your memes. Uh, if you're, if you're listening to us later, we have a great night, everyone. God bless. Bye.